to watch your favorite TV program. Hit record on your VHS player. Tune in your NES and join Alan Price and Chris Bint with their views as we deploy Operation Retro Shock. Everybody and welcome to Operation Retroshock episode 24, part 3, <laughs> part 3 of our Doctor Who specials. I'm Alan Price and alongside me is a very giddy and happy Chris Yeah, because we were talking about David Tennant. Hello everybody, my name is Chris Finn. And on the last episode, the three-hour bonanza, we thought my birthday show was back because it was like two, two and a half hours, wasn't it? Close enough, yes. Yeah. And then this that last one was three hours, which that is our last one. <laughs> yeah, which was our longest episode probably ever. Although having said that, at the time of recording this, it's still January. But at the time this is going out, it'll be whenever we'll be in London. Going, oh, Alan, look at that there over there. Alan, look at that over there. Chris, look I'm at that. Scared of a Cyberman. And we're like, yes. And people go walking like Cyberman and go examinate and stuff like that. But that's just us because we walk heavy and don't examinate. <laughs> yes, yes, it's going to be good. Um, so. <laughs> Excuse me. That's from doing whatever. all. That's from doing that all exterminate stuff. Yes. Um, so we're just going to jump straight into uh, David Tennant. Uh, <laughs> well, I don't want to jump straight uh-oh. in because no, I like the fellow. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, Point drop kick. Like drop kick, man. <laughs> um, so you've waited long enough. Let's go. First episode of, of what series? Series four of David Tennant's era of David Tennant well not series four David Tennant series four of new Doctor Who yeah well series three of his then yes. <laughs> so uh, confusing like uh, what uh, <laughs> partners in crime which of course sees the return of Catherine Tate as Donna Noble and here we see another soap crossover with Sarah Lancashire who played Raquel in Coronation Street Ta-da! He does it again, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Did it again. So you have partners in crime. Uh, I think this was a pretty neat wee episode, beside the fact of what you actually had in it. It was a nice one. <laughs> what, that opposed? Did yeah, you not like them? I didn't like them. They kicked me out. Um, <laughs> but it was a good episode the way Donna Noble was brought back in. Ooh, ooh, ooh. And Cribbins. Cribbins is in the episode. Yeah. Yes, yes. I remember watching that and just going, <gasps> Cribbins! Because <coughs> I like Bernard Cribbins as a, you know, to begin with, and then seeing him in Doctor Who kind of elevated that. You know Cribbins did an audiobook at Christmas called Cribbins at Christmas? No. It's like, a wee, it's like four wee stories narrated by Bernard Cribbins. There's like Beautiful Chaos, which is Doctor Who story, which he narrated. Well, these aren't Doctor brilliant. Who related, but they're just No, but that, I'm just saying that this is available on iTunes or various other places that aren't Apple. There he is, he's promoting people again. <laughs> Give me jobs, Steve Jobs! <laughs> 
Um, but yes, uh, this episode opens up with uh, you kind of it's they're trying to put the whole point off. The Doctor and Donna are trying, you know, kind of doing the same sort of thing. They're yeah. kind of investigating, <coughs> but they just keep missing each other. Yeah, like you see, <coughs> you see the Doctor uh, in like one of the cubicles, and he pops his head up, and then he puts his head down, and then Donna does the same thing, or he has like that device in his hand that he's running after the adipose yeah. and then like Donna's on the right hand side and he's on the left hand side and all they have to do is kind of come down a wee bit and they're right in front of each other yeah because then there's another wasn't there there's another bit in the office pit the like co- where he goes to the photocopier yeah. and then she walks out and it's like the car is like right beside where you know like he, he <coughs> she parks the car and then he puts the TARDIS mm-hmm. that and then he walks off so it's nice the way they did that and then how they see each other for the first yeah, I time think, I think that's kind of the thing that stands out from this episode is how they're kind of you know they're reunited in that scene looking at one another yeah because it's kind of the perfect comedy device for someone like Catherine Tate to use because obviously the doctor is across the way in another room and Donna's in another room behind it no he's outside he's well yeah yeah sorry he's he's like on the window cleaning thing and she has the glass door there which has like a wee porthole (laughs) and she just does all like a whole like mime and comedy routine yeah and she's doing like the tentacles with her hands on the face and all. <laughs> um, and, and then there's your the, what is it? I can't remember the character's name. Uh, the bad person, whatever her name is. The woman, the woman from the soap, whatever she's called, is just staring as in, "Are you finished?" Yeah, and it's like, and then they just like run. Uh, but yeah, it's a good uh, it's a good episode. Nice to see how they introduce each other, and then um, whenever he says like. Uh, I just want a mate. You just want a mate? No, mate, sunshine. Goes like, no, I just want a mate, a mate. And then, um, obviously, go in the TARDIS, and then um, they, they then go to the next episode, which is what, Alan? It be Fires of Pompeii, which is kind of self-explanatory in the sense of what the story is going to be about. Um, I like this episode because I always like things that are set around real events. When it comes to Doctor Who, in that the Doctor's involved in it, and he has something to do with the outcome. Mm-hmm. And obviously this one, it's it's a big hitter for episode two in terms of the re- relationship between the Doctor and Donna. Because obviously you have the whole thing about, you know, uh, was there, there's, like a, there's like a sisterhood in this one as well, and they're all like stone. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but and that'd be Amy. She'd be one of the stone intru- people. That'd be true. That'd be and true. And then the guy who is, I can't remember. I'm, I'm horrible with names. But he appears later on in Matt Smith's era, the second episode as well. I think you're right. What are you talking about, Peter Cabaldi? Is it? Uh, I think so. He's the guy who plays the father. Yes, 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 yeah, yes, 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 yes. Um, Mr. Pompey, we shall call him. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Pompey, uh, but thing I like in this is obviously towards the end <clears throat> like I was saying with Donna and the Doctor there's such a conflict and that the Doctor realises he ha- he has to be the one that causes Pompeii yeah. so he causes so many people to die yeah and Donna says yeah, at least save someone you've got to save someone which is stark contrast because he's like no no it stays as is yeah. no, it stays what happens they have to die it's a big difference to what we see later, and we'll talk about it later, in Waters of Mars, in that he's like, I'm a Time Lord, I'm doing what I want, mm. I'll save these people. Yeah. So it's kind of different, but it probably shows you that Donna's kinda, Donna kind of influences him here, even at such an early stage. Yeah. 
but it's a nice I like the shot wherever you see the tortoise and it's the white behind him and he kind of has his hand extended and it goes yeah. like, come with me yeah, yeah, yeah. I just love that shot I think it's very very cool but I, li- I like the way it's just kind of like the ending shot where you see there in their new home the mm. family's in their new home yeah and it's like you know pr- you know give thanks to the gods and it's the tortoise yeah. and all mm-hmm. pretty neat um, next episode <coughs> is Planet of the Ood which is pretty nifty and it's basically it's kind of Russell T. Davis kind of going on the whole animal rights sort of thing it's like the Ood are kind of a human kind of they're a human being in the sense of you know they're a lot yeah, more aware of an animal. Feel, yeah, they're they can, being treated like animals, and yeah. you know they're being held in containers. And that it's, pro- sort of it's probably the first like more action-packed one because yeah. you see a lot of running around, and, and you know being chased by a giant claw. Yeah, exactly. Nobody can escape the claw. <laughs> um, but uh, obviously, in this episode, we see where the Ood um, calls him Doctor Donna, which obviously yeah. um, comes up in a later episode, which we'll get on later on. Um, but yeah, it was a good episode. A bit freaky towards the end of it. Yes, with, yes. Um, it, it was a wee bit. It wasn't very PG in the <coughs> sense of it's it's again Doctor Who. It would have if I was a kid that would have absolutely freaked me out. See, we're it. talking about whenever the gentleman who's been taking the drink then spouts a a brain from his mouth yes, and then turns into nude. Um, but if, this I, one has patience. I like it in the sense we <coughs> see the origins of the Ood and that you know they aren't obviously born with this like communication device in mm-hmm. their hands because obviously we've seen them uh, in the whole Satan's Pit and that before. Uh, but that it's just like their their brain basically in their hand and that they have to trust you to open their hands. Yeah, and then they're all singing and stuff, and then Donna hears the singing and starts crying. Um, which obviously later on she kind of hears then. Yes. Isn't it? I think so. I think so. Or, uh, no, it's the start of this. It's the start of this, wherever um, one of the Ood has been shot. Yeah, Ood Sigma. Yeah. Ood Sigma. Um, but I think it's neat in the sense of it's it's the doctor allows her to hear them singing later. Mm-hmm, yeah. Because it's when they're down and they're meeting the. Because uh, there's the group of them in the like, cage, which mm-hmm. is the ones that just have their brains and yeah. their hands um, but yeah it's a pretty decent wee episode uh, I find it really odd the bits where uh, it's kind of they're in like the showroom yeah kind of like in the showroom and there's the girl taking them around like you can have your ood personalised and all that yeah and I go <laughs> <laughs> um, but what was the other thing I what is it at the beginning is when the doctor uses the psychic paper uh, as an invite Cause it was oh yeah, it's like uh, the doctor and Donna go like, oh, Miss, Mr. Mr. and Mrs. Mrs. Doctor, yeah, Mrs. Mr. Yeah, Mr. And Mrs. Go, oh no, we're not, no, we're, we're not, not together. Yeah, uh, yeah, decent wee episode. Probably the best episode featuring the Ood. Yeah, in my opinion, definitely, definitely. Um, next, we have our first two-parter of series four, which is the Sontaran Stratagem and the Poison. Sky. And why do you like this episode on? Because Freema's <coughs> Freema's back. <laughs> like, mm. Martha Jones. Speaking of which, I forgot to say that my great four-year-old niece came running down to my mum and gave her this here. Awesome. Because she knew I liked Doctor Who. She gave me the official annual of 2009, which has David Tennant on the front of it. And a proper Dalek in the background. 
But it has like some nice wee cartoon stuff and whatever. And look, it has adipose. Yeah. And then look at some Tarrant and the half, which we'll be talking about later on. Read out the stuff about the Sun Tarrants. Uh, leathery skin fed through a probic vent in the back of their necks is their only weak spot. Full protective military uniform. Swagger stick has many uses, including activating their teleports and sabering their foes. Mm. The Centaurans are a clone race dedicated to warfare and to defeating their enemies, the Rutons. Or whatever it's it. They plan to use the Atmos satellite navigation system as a weapon to change Earth's atmosphere, making it suitable for them to come billions of troops for their battles. Well, that's basically... This, this, these two episodes summed up. Um, <laughs> I shall actually keep this because uh, uh, this it's quite seems handy. To be quite handy, yeah. Um, but what basically is happening here? And there's uh, Pyroville is the one from Pyroville, the yeah. from the fires of Pompeii. There we go. Um, but obviously, this episode, well, the two-parter, it links back into we saw at the end of the last series the way Martha's in the TARDIS and gives the Doctor the mobile phone, and says, mm-hmm. "When that rings, you come." Mm-hmm. And what happens is Martha Jones has rung the doctor for assistance with unit. Um, so the TARDIS appears, and then again, <coughs> there's the stereotypical uh, kind of semi confrontation at the beginning yeah. between companions, yes. your companion and ex companion. Yeah. But then basically they crack a joke about the doctor, and then they're all frenzy. Mm-hmm. Um, <coughs> but the Atmos thing is pretty neat because. Um, it's a good plot device because obviously there's the whole it starts supposedly malfunctioning and people get and Nia kills Wilf I was not happy about that it's not good it's not good Um, but what is it it's made by like a child prodigy yes he's like a wee genius please if I if that guy was a real person I'd just run up and punch him square in the face stop being a prat (coughs) he is such an absolute prat in this um but what happens in this is obviously we have the Suntarans who have actually, we find out, helped him mm-hmm. develop the Atmos system and he doesn't realise it. Woohoo! Um, he doesn't realise that. Uh, sorry, Chris was just showing me uh, Martha Jones' bio in the annual. Uh, you've made me lose my place now. <laughs> <laughs> They've helped him design the Atmos system and he doesn't know that uh, it's going to be able to ch- you know, change and wreck the atmosphere and all yes um, but Donna is returned home to warn her mum and obviously this is that's where Bernard comes back in yeah because she'd be like Granda it's not going to be going well it's like oh it's you and then um, her mum then goes like oh it's you you know like they've both encountered the doctor at different times um, obviously um, obviously uh Wilfred encounters him at uh, Voyage of the Damned, whereas Donna's mom has encountered him in The Runaway Bride. Yes. Both different episodes, but then they both kind of merge together here to say that they've both met the Doctor before. Yeah. And Donna is the one who actually wanted, you know, the, um, them to keep an eye out for him and stuff. But the first episode hangs on a cliffhanger of basically Catherine Tate doing what she can do very well, which is screaming <laughs> yeah. at the top of her lungs for the Doctor. Um, second part starts off with obviously there's the whole basically the atmosphere's got changed a hell of a lot now. What is it? Isn't it that it could like be satellite or something? Maybe? Yeah, because he fires that rocket thing that yes. goes up, and then you just see the, like the Earth, like the big flame, just go round it to absorb it all. Mm-hmm. Um, they all see from the Santaran ship. Yep. 
Uh, of course, and there is the absolutely legendary Santa Ha. <laughs> yeah, which are all Santa Ha, Santa Ha, Santa, and you're like, oh right, okay. That that I think that scene would have been absolutely fine if it had just been the Santarans, but just yeah. having the wee dweeb in the background going like, yeah, look at me, I'm a Santaran. It's like, no, you're not. Uh, you can kind of tell we don't like him. I could I could hit him on the back of the neck to see if that is his weak spot. I would imagine would be if especially I've had a lead pipe. I think I, I think that was class thing like the way the doctor explains the Santaran's weakness. Mm-hmm. Because it was a good way to bring the Santarans back in. Because again, obviously they were an old baddie, and the kids of nowadays wouldn't have known what they yeah. were. Because uh, obviously we talked about in the old Doctor episodes, the one where Pertwee counters them in the medieval England and all that. Obviously, called Sarah Jane's first adventure. Um, <laughs> Sarah Jane adventure. Obviously, they look a bit better in this because of better production costs and all. Mm-hmm. Um, but. Of course, uh, Martha Jones is cloned. Yeah. In this, uh, by the Sontarans. Uh, so basically, the Sontarans have someone on the inside of a unit, and it's like, ooh, and she starts basically telling them to go places, and then, uh, what is it? Is it, you have, what's the name of the other Sontaran? Because you had Stahl, you had the Sontaran Stahl, and then there was someone else, Score. Uh, there, there's the gunfight between the unit guys and the Santarans, and then he gets shot. Mm-hmm. And he goes like, "Oh, yeah, I know." Like death uh, yeah. is sweet, sort of thing. You, yeah. know, like, you know, he revels in death, which is again the whole kind of idea behind the Santarans is that they absolutely adore um, warfare and that sort of stuff. <laughs> um, but of course, like you were saying, the doctor. Uh, as what is it? What happens? Is there something about? Oh no! Sorry, that's a later episode. Sorry, no, sorry, I got mixed up. Uh, but uh, the doctor, of course, is what you said. He fires the rocket thing. Yeah, and then um, the world's kind of okay, but um, at the same time, he has to sort out the. You know, still have to get Donna off the ship. Yes. Um, so he has to like talk her through what to do and all that there. And then um, we fella sacrifices himself um, because um, the doctor says, don't do something clever with your life. So that's what he does. He kills himself. And, and that's pretty clever. <laughs> um, but of course, at the end of the episode, we see the doctor and Donna and all going to say goodbye to Martha. Mm-hmm. And then what happens? The TARDIS just goes. Slam shut the doors and yep. off they go. It wasn't me. So uh, Martha is... Joining us for an impromptu little trip, mm-hmm. which is leading us in nicely to the next episode of the series, which Chris also very much likes, is the Doctor's daughter. The Doctor's daughter. The Doctor's daughter. The, the Doctor's, doctor's daughter, daughter Jenny was bo- born fully grown from a tissue sample stolen from the Doctor and the pilot <laughs> Misaline. She fought in the war between the Hath and the humans, and the Doctor thought she died saving him, but she didn't. Oh no! Yes, and know your enemy, the Hath. Humans and the Hath were fighting for control of the planet Mytheline, but neither realized that the many generations that had died before them had only existed over the previous week. The Doctor brought them peace to the planet by f- helping them find the Source, a terraforming device that transformed the barren land into one habitable by both races. And the Hath has bubbling speech with a water-filled tube instead of a mouth. Half fish, half human. 
created from DNA from the previous generation, and has soldiers wear fully military uh, uniform. That's quite scary. Isn't it just? Makes me poop my pants a little bit. <laughs> a little bit. Okay, well, do you want to start off? Yeah, um, <clears throat> obviously, um, whenever they first come out of the TARDIS, um, Martha says to Donna, this is the part I always like, you know, not knowing what's going to be around, it's really exciting, yeah. and all this here, and then the Doctor gets, like, a, as I've just read, a tissue sample taken from his hand, and Jenny comes out, who he ha- is engaged to, and her daddy be Peter Davison. This be all kind of wrong. So it'll be all ca- kind of craziness, because... Her daddy be the doctor, but she gonna be the mother of the doctor's baby. <laughs> Don't. Like, what? Uh, uh, it's all kind of binary, wrong. binary, 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 it is binary, all binary. Wrong, like you say, <laughs> but it is like you'd absolutely love to be that kid, like eventually in like twenty years. Like your granda was the doc- the doctor. He portrayed the doctor, and then if you do not like doctor, doctor, if you do not like Doctor Who, that child, either boy or girl, there's something drastically wrong. It's just like. The kid's going to be absolutely brought up on it, you know. Your mum has been in an episode. Yeah. Your dad was the doctor, and your granddad was the doctor. It's just like you're going to be absolutely flooded with that. <laughs> but like, look, here be your granda. Look, here be your dad. And I'd be like, look, here's your granda and your dad in an episode. Yeah. Like, oh my goodness. <laughs> That'd be crazy. It'd be like, who be your favourite doctor? Uh, John Pertwee. Because like, I'm not saying him no, or him. I'd be like, uh. Granda? <laughs> Why can't oh, no. Mummy be the Doctor? That's a good that's a good, good shout. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a very strange episode with the half yeah. and stuff, and then Martha gets the separated. Kind of, I was a wee bit... Mm, I don't like them. <laughs> it was just the the talk and the weird yeah. bubbling noise and stuff. And then obviously the one that goes with Martha um, ends up dying. And Martha, no! and that's basically where Martha really just... The travelling becomes too much for her. So yeah. she was just like, well, that's why I kind of was thinking about leaving as well. Yeah. But um, I like the fact that, obviously, she's been cloned, and then um, at the end, we see her, um, she gets shot. And, and the doctor's, oh, no. The, the doctor's, like, really... Emotional. Yeah, but you see him with a gun, and he goes over to your man and points at his head and goes, like, no, that I wouldn't. And obviously, we see in the end of time, wherever Cribbins gives him a gun, mm-hmm. and he says, like, no, never, you know, that kind of thing. Um, but then later on, we see them... We see uh, Jenny lying down, and then we see like a bit of the regeneration kind of. Um, that was epic, like. Uh, what, what, you, what would you say? Just coming out like of her fa- mouth. Like fairy dust. Yeah, <laughs> and then her come back to life, you know, so it's a case of she is still but, part but of It's time. quite interesting. Do you know my kind of theory behind this? Because I know there was a big debate about that when it originally aired, was, you know, if, that's, if it's regeneration. Uh huh. Then why she still look the same? I think it kind of falls into the same category as the way when the Doctor's hand gets chopped off in the Christmas Invasion. Yeah. The way they've been thinking that this has been generations and generations and generations, where it's only been like a week or two. Yeah. Because like she's only probably in the whole scheme of this story, maybe been born like an you know an hour or two prior. Mm-hmm. She's still relatively oh, she's still within that time in yeah. terms of a time lord yeah so that's probably that's what I think the reason why she stays the same I never but I think it'd be quite interesting to have her make a reappearance at some stage down the line be in the five doctors and the and Mrs. the daughter doctor. <laughs> yeah doctor and daughter um, and friends <laughs> and friends yeah uh <laughs> okie dokie 
Um, so, obviously, the Doctor takes Martha home, and this is when he finds out that she's engaged. Yes, to the fella that she met on her first episode. In the first right? episode, yes. Yes, because there'd be something in here about it. The person she met in the first episode, which happens to be the guy who helped her in the sound of drums and all as well. Yes. Yeah. Tom Mulligan or something? Milligan. Martha got engaged to another doctor, Tom Milligan, who she originally met when fighting the Master. When the Earth went back in time to before they had met, Martha remembered him and went back to find him. That's why... In other words, she stalked him. Yes, that's why she phoned him and then she went like, hello, and then there was nobody there. But obviously we'll find out later that uh, he was more of a rebound. Yeah. Because she had the feelings for him because he'd helped her in Sound of Drums and End of Time. Not End of Time. My mouth's not working today. Uh, <laughs> what else is new? <laughs> ha ha burn Okay <laughs> Anywho Our next episode is another double parter Which begins No with, Oh What? Am I Am I wrong? Unicorn the Wasp is oh, the next I one Oh I forgot see Because <laughs> I'm not a big Isaac Christie person I actually really enjoyed this episode it's decent enough for the episode uh, Something about the Vesp Vesperform Vesperform yes In other words yes. A giant bee well, for 40 years, Lady Edison kept the son she had to an alien vessel form a secret, only admitting the truth when her son discovered that what he really was and began to murder the guests at her mother's country mansion. Apparently, it's about eight foot tall, has multifaceted eyes. Species come from a hive in the Celifrax galaxy. Leaves a morphic residue behind when changes form. A venomous stinger can be replaced after use. <laughs> um, I find, this, stinger I not find included. part of this really, really odd just the way when the doctor starts to explain and I'm kind of jumping ahead a wee bit is this whenever Donna's eating the popcorn going she did it <laughs> no he did it um, but when the doctor's explaining and you kind of see the flashback of uh, Mrs. Edison well Lady Edison actually sorry uh, back in India and she's explaining about like it was a one night fling and uh-huh. that sort of stuff I was just like Ooh, you have relations <laughs> with a bee it's like it's wrong <laughs> uh <laughs> Anyway, back to the beginning. <laughs> Please. Uh, <laughs> I just like whenever he come, they come out and go like, "I'm out at the Christie." Go like, "No." Yeah, that's what I was about. To and say. then, uh, like, the doctor's going, "You fooled me, like loads." Well, maybe not loads of times, uh, but twice. And, and, no, you got me once, and it was a really good one, really good one. <laughs> um, but it's just a very clever episode the way they've incorporated it all, and very much like um, in the Shakespeare one. That Donna keeps dropping things, you know, saying about, and it goes like uh, copyright Donna Noble, you know, and all this here. And but it's kind of the same kind of principle, but it's more humorous in the fact that Donna's saying like, you know, copyright Donna Noble, but she's not going. You can have that. She's going like, oh, I can make money out of this copyright. Yeah, Donna Noble. Um, it's kind of the end of this episode that I like because the way I mentioned earlier with Pompeii, the way things link in with real life, mm-hmm. because obviously it explains here at the end that Agatha Christie kind of upped and disappeared for like a, yeah you know, she had like amnesia yeah, almost she yeah. had amnesia um, <clears throat> and this is as a result of the story basically yeah. and the wasp chase and all that sort of drawn between bees and wasps I can't remember the difference between the two uh, it looks more like a wasp than it does a bee to probably be honest to be totally honest because wasps uh, wasps don't die when they sting you, but bees do. I, suppose. I, think, I think I've heard something about that. It's not buzz off, and so it's not. Like, <laughs> <laughs> That'd be a present, his proper name. 
Um, yeah, also, I like the fact that at the end of it, we see underneath the TARDIS panel, wherever he ha- it seems to have everything alphabetized. Mm-hmm. So he goes like A, and he's bringing out all these things. It goes Agatha Christie and shows the book, and it has the, the wasp on it. I but it's, it's like published in like the year 5 billion or something. Yeah, it's just like, you know, her legacy lived on, that kind of thing. But then we go to the another yes. two-parter. It's because I was getting excited, and I was like, double parts, everybody. <laughs> We're like, river song! <laughs> But yes, the double parter, Silence in the Library, and Forest of the Dead. Which is in a lovely library. I can't remember where they filmed this. It was probably some building in Cardiff, I guess. It was probably a quarry. <laughs> I just put books around it. Quarry. <laughs> May I say that this... I, I know a lot of people have wrote in with their favourite episodes, and we'll get on to that after we discuss Matt Smith. Um... And have said that this is one of their favourite episodes or slash two parters. Spice Steve Moffat again. Yes. I was gonna say that I was near never really a big fan of this here. Mm-hmm. And it's only with the reintroduction of River Song and the Matt Smith era got, that I've re- got you back in the that I've episodes, rewatched yeah. this. So I've rewatched it um not too long ago and quite enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. But um you carry on because you're a big River Song fan. Mm-hmm. Um this oh, sorry, I just think blah 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 and there's books and this woman goes Oh this is in my hair oh. <laughs> Uh The Doctor and Donna are summoned to a fifty first century library. Fifty first century. Uh, Come to the library. Kiss. Courtesy of the psychic paper. Which again is another part of obviously we'll see that River Song calls the Doctor in some form, be it psychic paper or be it leaving a clue or something for the Doctor to find. Um, but they arrive in the library and obviously there's nobody there. What's happening, Chris? Where is everybody? But they've all been saved. Have they now? To the hard drive? Yes, to The indeed. external hard drive? Indeed. I means you can take them wherever you want. <laughs> be very much like an iPod, which is available on Apple's website. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Um, but they're what is it? They're they're walking around, and then they're like a wee robot or something. There's like a bot or something like that. Yes, it's like the wee thing that it's her like mind, so to speak. That she's like watching them. It's like yeah, a yeah, camera, yes, yes, yes. and then he puts a sonic screwdriver into it. Uh-huh. And it's like in her brain, so that's all she can hear is the sonic screwdriver noise. And then it comes up, you know, please le- uh, stop it, make it stop. And she goes, he's like, oh, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm so sorry. Uh-huh. And then it goes like, others are coming, and then we see the rival. song. Yeah, we see them all coming in in their uh, funky spacesuits. Hey, who turned out the lights? Hey, who turned out the lights? Okay, Chris. Please. Hey, who turned stop, out the lights? You're going to be scared, huh? <laughs> Um, and you only have two balls on your thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, but obviously, River Song appears, and there's the hints dropped that she knows the Doctor. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's kind of in a very tentative way at this yeah, stage. It's like you're not my Doctor yet, or that. Ah, kind you're of too thing. young. Yeah, you're too young. You're not my Doctor yet. Um, so obviously. The first episode of the two-parter is kind of, you know, dropping hints, you know, kind of building up the relationship between River and the Doctor. Because mm-hmm. the Doctor's like, 
really... I don't think I've ever seen the Doctor as kind of puzzled in the modern series. Yeah. Than this episode, yes, he's obviously you know, trying to figure stuff out in the past, but because it's something like this, yeah, he's really like... You can always see, even when he's just doing like something normal, like if he's over yeah, like, in the he sonic so- screwdriver he's, and he's, he's sonicking and he just was kind of see his expressions. No, but he was looking at her book. Yeah. And he kept looking at it and then she came up and lifted it and go like spoiler, sweetie. Yeah. And then obviously she has the uh, sonic screwdriver as well. So um you know, he was wondering how that happened. Um but of course also we've got uh Doctor Moon in this as well. Doctor Moon, remember the way uh, the wee girl is? Oh yes, the house yes, yeah. And Doctor Moon arrives. Yeah. And is talking to her. Who looks like Hall- uh, Howard from the Halifax outfits? <laughs> um, and the wee girl's able to like watch the library on the TV. Yeah. And that sort of thing. And you know she's trying to. There's times you know she's trying to fiddle with the remote to try and stop stuff. Yeah, but it's all. the same whenever Donna gets. Gets um, her shadows, you know. She can't she get saved. Devour- yeah, saved. Um, and then he appears, and he's standing in front of Donna. And then you see the doctor with his screwdriver going like that there. And then he goes and it, he puts it down to something he's at or something, which is like okay. Yeah. Um, but of course, at the end of this episode, we see the well, we've seen hints dropped throughout the episode about you know the shadows and all that sort of stuff. But then the doctor realizes it's. Uh, the Vashta Narada, which basically latch onto you and then devour you uh, via your shadow. Yeah, and throws like a uh, chicken. He throws a chi- like a chicken, chicken leg or something. Yeah, and then you just see it like just turn into bone. Which I think like, I thought was a pretty neat wee effect. That's like Alan whenever he eats chicken, it's just like you throw it at him and, it goes, and it's just like a bone. In fact, that's anything with Alan. Hey, Alan, eat this. <laughs> that's not very nice. I am only joking. Oh. He doesn't like chicken. <laughs> it's merely like a... I don't know. Um, but in the second part, the first of the dead, this obviously... It's a very odd, a very odd title. Mm. Um, but it links into the whole idea of the library was where the forest was, where the Vash mm. and Narada lived and all that sort of stuff. So that's where it links in there. But this episode's more based around inside the computer. Yeah. So it is, because obviously you have Donna in there and she links up with can't remember their name, but the girl, one of the girls that was yes, caught by the, 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 the one with the, the wonky face. Yeah, the dark hair. Was yeah. it like Evangel or something? Evangelista or something? It's, it's something it's along like some really name. funky name. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, it's very nice to look at, but incredibly thick. Uh, unless she's in the computer and the face is all wibbly wobbly. Um, <laughs> but uh, Picasso did me. <laughs> in the computer, there's the whole thing of. Donna is thinking this is real, yeah. and Doctor Moon's there, and she's in like some health clinic or mental clinic or something like that, and he's kind of like the psychiatrist and all, and mm-hmm. helping her, and uh, she's going like, "I thought, I thought we were up in the room." Yeah, and go, "Let's go fishing." It's like, and then, poof, and they're there, yeah. sort of thing, mm-hmm. and Doctor Moon's like, "And then you remembered," and so it's like. It's kind of tricking her into accepting where she very is. much like um, very much like the Matt Smith episode, the Amy's Choice one, wherever she has to choose kind of what's real it's, and what's not real. It's that so kind of it's same. That point. sort of a thing, yeah. Yeah. Um, I laugh as well at the bit where obviously she goes fishing with your with your man, mm-hmm. and he stammers. Yeah. And she says something along the lines of "Looks fantastic, but 
can't put a sentence together. Mm-hmm. So it's just like, oh, there's your luck. Um, and then obviously we see him later on. Wedding kids. Yeah, but we see him later on wherever they've all been, been recovered. Yes. And then he's standing there waiting to get teleported. And he sees Donna. He goes, duh, 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 duh. and obviously he can't say Donna by that time. He's gone, so she never sees him again. Um, but then you see the kids, and then this is where your woman mm-hmm. comes back in, and her backup, so to say, was a bit messed up, and she's trying to explain to Donna, "Look, you're, it's a fake place." You yeah, know, look at the kids. kids all the kids are the same. Yeah, and obviously Donna freaks out and that sort of thing. And goes home, um, and the sky is like red or something. But obviously, then back in the library, the kind of trust between the Doctor and uh, River is kind of building up and building up more and a bit more. Um, Until River levels him with a punch. Well, yes, that's true. Um, And we find out at the same time, obviously, they're trying to figure out what to do and they end up finding out that, you know, the system's called Cal and all that switch off the computer. And that, what was it? It was like, what's this, your man? He was from... He's from a League of Gentlemen. Yes. You know who I mean. Yes. Uh, he, he explains that it's like, what, his great, great niece or something like that? Yeah, and that's the, only way that, that's the only way they could keep her alive. Keep or, her alive, so yeah. she, she saved everybody. But, of course, um, it gets to the point in this that uh, the Doctor's been trying to save the crew as well. But they've all been dying, so it only is down to River and your man. Mm-hmm. So it is. But obviously, we know now in this episode that River Song sacrifices herself for the Doctor. And whenever the Doctor is handcuffed to the wall, says time can be rewritten. Yes. Which is something, again, we will find out in Matt Smith's era. Regarding but obviously, uh, it gets to the point of when I was saying that the kind of the trust was getting built up. Not as. You know, not a huge amount, but obviously she then says, you know, I can't wait for your trust, and then whispers his name in his ear yeah. to him, mm-hmm. which everybody's like, oh, what is it, what is it, what is it? And it was like, I don't think we'll ever find out, even even in the new series here, no. coming up with Matt Smith. Um, they were like, what be your name? Uh, Doc Tor? Oh, <laughs> yeah, I did that. Uh, but obviously, uh, River Song sacrifices herself for the Doctor, um, and she explains that Know, I've had, I've had my time with you. Yours is yet to come. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, I've completely forgot the sonic screwdriver. Yeah, that he like kind of opens and has her like bar essence, so to say. Yeah, so he like runs back and puts the screwdriver into the gap, and then you see the wee girl's face smiling, and then she gets restored. And I go like I've brought you some friends, and it's all her people from there. And go like, aren't I clever? Mm-hmm. And then Donna gets saved and stuff. And then we see the doctor clicking his fingers to open I the TARDIS see, because she explained earlier my doctor can open the TARDIS. He says like the doctor can open the TARDIS with his fingers, and obviously again have the as well. Yeah, and obviously again in the um, next doctor, whenever um, the doctor's introducing Amy. He clicks his fingers and the door opens. Aye, in the eleventh hour, you mean? Yeah, eleventh hour. Sorry, I'm reading next doctor. I don't know. Well, technically, he is the next. Doctor. Yes. Yes. yes so. Anyway, so move on to because we're approaching midnight here. 
Oh, uh, <laughs> uh, we're not really. Not literally, ladies and gentlemen. Yes. Uh, <laughs> next episode is called Midnight, which is our companion light episode. Yeah, because then the one after that is the Doctor light episode. Pardon me. Uh, <laughs> I like this episode. Episode that has another EastEnders crossover, which is the woman who plays Carol in EastEnders. Another soap crossover. It also has Patrick Troughton's son. Indeed. And it... I, this is the thing, is I watched this episode and completely... I'd watched this episode when I hadn't really went back and looked at a load of old Doctor Who stuff. I think it was so the Doctor episodes. Who podcast that kind of brought it to my attention. Yeah. When um, so I never really paid enough attention to realise, oh, he looks remarkably like Patrick Troughton. Mm. Um, but what we've got here is, what was <coughs> this was a landmark as well, wasn't it? For This was the... The 50th episode yeah. of the new Doctor, Doctor Who. Who. Yes. Yeah. Um, but what happens is they're on a planet called Midnight. Surprise, surprise. Uh, and Donna's off chilling in a wee health spa or whatever. Yeah. Um, and the <coughs> woman decides, yeah, I'm going to take a tour off he goes and of course you've got a whole array of passengers uh, and you've David Triton which is Patrick Triton's son who's like a professor and then you've got like families and sons and all that sort of stuff um, and Sky I definitely have to think this would be Dave, one of David Town's most demanding episodes as the Doctor <coughs> I would say that your woman who played Sky yeah, but she would have. To, she had to learn the lines every single person because she had to mimic every single person. Well, I'm, I was meaning it in the sense of obviously for David Tennant, I was going to get yeah, up the fact. Going like, yes, throw him out. Yes, throw him out. But it is so freaky in this episode. Um, obviously, they're going about and then they get stopped and they find out that it's this monster that's outside the hull, but it works its way into her. Um, the way <coughs> the way they're doing the mimicking of each other. Then all of a sudden it switches and she's saying it first. Yeah. It's like she's got ahead of him. But it just goes to show <coughs> that you can still make Doctor Who creepy and not like that. Not that like costs a grizzly monster. That not that costs nothing to make uh-huh. because it's that just had, them that, basically that had to be in one it. of the cheapest episodes ever to make. A Apart from like whenever you see the outside yeah. of it, that was probably it. But it's a, it's a one set. Sh- it's a one. It's shepherd. very, it's ver- very different mm-hmm. to the Matt Smith one that had the the animals that could only kind of be seen with mirrors. Yes, you know, so well, which was three reasons. But yeah, well, um, but yeah, nice wee episode, and I think again, it's one I particularly enjoyed more going back and watching with the commentary the guys in the DWP did. Mm-hmm. The way they're explaining stuff and yeah. pointing things out. So yeah, nice wee episode. Good one for <coughs> to be Doctor Heavy. Yeah. So it is. Uh, but of course, this leads us into uh, our Donna Noble heavy episode, which is Turn Left. Not a fan of no, this episode. I'm not a fan of this episode. Um, it's nothing to do with the Doctor's not in it or anything like that. Um, obviously, it was kind of a big deal for everybody when it first came out because obviously it sees the return fully off Rose. Obviously, there yeah. was like hints dropped in like midnight and all on the TV screen of Rose trying to break through and get mm. to the doctor. But And obviously, the person, <coughs> obviously, uh, Donna had that beetle on her back, mm-hmm. which is actually the trickster's beetle, which we'd see later in the Sarah Jane adventures. Sure. Um, the you know the episode that David Tennant features in. Um, because obviously in Turn Left, 
uh, Donna goes and sees like a wee fortune teller. Yeah. Which is played by its, I think her name's like Chippo Chung or something like that. <laughs> I'm not taking the Mickey, but she played Chantho in Utopia. Oh, right. she did. So obviously she was able to come back and do that. Oh yeah, yeah. So much in makeup. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously it wasn't a huge part in this, but nonetheless, um, of what turn left is. It's basically. It's very Dr. much Noble's, like a slide. Dr. Noble's life if she had not met the doctor. It's very much like a sliding doors. Yeah. You know, like it's how one different decision can affect the it's just outcome. The thing of turn left, you know, yeah. it's a case of she made a choice of either turning left or turning right in the car, mm-hmm. that eventually led to what happened in her life. Yeah. Um, because obviously we see in this episode that, like, sort of, you see the way there was the part in the first one, the Runaway Bride. Mm-hmm. You see the time then because you see it's like the giant star in the sky and the getting shot, but then you see that the doctor got killed because yeah. back in Runaway Bride, as we mentioned, Donna stops the doctor because mm-hmm. she's like, you know, stop doctor. You know, obviously he was not able to hold himself back without Donna, yeah. which results in him drowning. Um, but obviously as well, something about isn't the the next Christmas special is in this one as well after Runaway Bride the Voyage of the Damned because the mm-hmm. Titanic does crash yeah. as a result of the Doctor being dead yes so it's just showing you all the sort of stuff that's going on and of course Rose makes her appearance in this and basically they've was it from the parallel universe they've got the Doctor's TARDIS they've got the TARDIS yeah and, and then they hook up like this thing for basically Donna Donna has to go and top herself basically yeah, you have to make that decision. You have to do that, and you know, then she um, kind of run, puts herself out in front of a. It's a trucker. Truck, yeah, and then Rose comes over and whispers into she says her a few ear. Words for you to pass. Yeah, on. and then whenever she goes back, you know, like everything's restored, and she says, uh, "There's this thing," and then it says, "Bad Wolf," and you see Bad Wolf everywhere. Yeah, it's like all, which it's like all the because I guess it's a Chinatown. Yeah, so it was all like the Chinese words and all that sort of stuff, and they just boom. Change and it's all bad wolf, mm-hmm. which leads us to our finale two parter of the season, which is the Stolen Earth and Journey's End. Ooh, good episodes, good episodes. Yes. So first episode of the two parter Stolen Earth. Um, obviously, this is a big deal of an episode, especially considering the ending of it. Um, but this sees pretty much everybody coming back into it again as you kind of like with RTD uh, finales but uh, this starts out with uh, Doctor and Donna have arrived back on Earth and the Doctor uh, what is it he the, like, kind of what is it the pop out of the TARDIS and have a look about it in the same yeah, like, what day goes, is uh, it yeah it's like uh, Sunday or nothing and he takes back to the TARDIS and yeah. then like, it's like a big jolt happens and the Doctor opens the door, and there's just, like, space and rocks around them, and the Earth's vanished, plucked out yep. of space and time, um, which is like, oh no. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but uh, there's... What is it? Where does he go to say, we have to go somewhere? Shadow Proclamation. Shadow Proclamation, yes. Which is, like, the kind of universe, kind of universe space, so to say. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that's where you hear him... Uh, Speak. Buffo, bopo. Double, double, maho. Maho. And 
they run through and explain that uh, that Earth's not the only planet. Yeah. And Who wants clone? And yeah, and the lost moon of Poosh. <laughs> Poosh. And when all of these are like entered into the digital computer, like hologram computer, they rearrange themselves. Yeah. And the doctor's like, "All right, so obviously, you know, there's something, there's something's going on here." Mm-hmm. Uh, and the doctor realizes that the planet he traces the planet because it's to do with the bees come back into it. Yeah. Um, the traveling of the bees, uh, and he can trace it to the Medusa Cascade. Um, which doesn't he explain here as well? He says that he hasn't been there since he was a very young man. Something like that, yeah. Some, it was something that he was a really young. He was. It was something like he was. I think it was like close to a hundred, but you know, obviously that's obviously that's considered young for a time lord. And of course, back on Earth, we see that the Daleks are the ones responsible for the hijacking of the planet. And this is the first time that I, I'd obviously known of the character Davros, but this is the first time that I'd actually seen yes, Davros. Yes. Um, because obviously uh, you're, you've seen back with the Daleks in Manhattan, you'd saw Daleks, you know, there, and was it Dalek Khan did the emergency temporal shift? He's back in this because you see there's the exchange between him and like the again another supreme Dalek. Um, then obviously we see. Baraman. Uh, <laughs> Basically, you see everyone. You see Captain yeah. Jack, you see Martha Jones, you see Sarah Jane, Rose Tyler. Uh, Jackie Tyler. You see Rose is like watching the litters and like, do you like my gun? Yeah. Uh, Jackie Tyler, you see? Yes, you see Jackie, you see Bernard, you see. And then we see Gita, who used to be in EastEnders, and she'd be one who um, Jackie Tyler says, I'm sorry, and teleports, and then she gets like turned to dust. Oh, yes. And yes. that's another soap crossover. But yes. Uh, that's kind of next, anyway. Uh, but of course, they're all contacted by ex-prime minister Harriet Jones. She'd be like, "This be like, this be a secret network," and I'd be contacting all you. And Rose is at the noble household. And yeah, because like, don't you have a webcam? No, no, she would let me. She says they're not. <laughs> um, and like Harry Jones is going oh there's someone else trying to get through and Rose think it's her, thinks it's her yeah but it's Martha. Martha but this is also the first time that we see Yanto and uh, Gwen from Torchwood who I didn't have a clue who they were until after Alan kindly lent me the Torchwood box sets that I watched them and then that, understood that, who they that were that the first time ladies and gentlemen and then he didn't watch them and I was like you have to watch them and gave them back and he watched them and absolutely enjoyed them very much yes I did very good um, but of course obviously the whole Kind of a wee bit of skipped over there was Martha and Project Indigo and the Osterhagen key. Yeah. Um, she obviously has like the Project Indigo was the Indigo. Indigo, Indigo. was like the Jack. Uh, Exterminating! The kind of backpack thing. And she pulls it and off she pops. Um, yeah. And like Jack saying, don't don't use it. You know, it's mm-hmm. not tested. And she's like, well, how do you know about it, Jack? I met, like, <laughs> met somebody in a bar. Yeah. Um, but obviously they are all chatting away, and then Davros spots in, mm-hmm. and he's like, different voice, but same arrogance, Doctor. 
Yeah. And, and then, but it's whenever Davros talks and you see the Doctor kind of coming back, you know, like kind of startled a wee bit. Yeah. And then whenever, whenever Donna says, you know, like, I know this is bad, but Rose is coming back, it's not good. And the Doctor has this big smile on his yeah. face going, yes. So how does this episode end? Yes. Is on to the next one then? Obviously, like we said at the beginning, before we started rambling on there about the rest of the episode. Maybe Alan, but not me. I remember watching this the first time and just the sheer shock. I remember a lot of people, because you know, saying it was. It's hard to keep things quiet nowadays because we see it in wrestling and that stuff's up on the internet as quick as you can be. Yeah. Um, and the amount of secrecy that the BBC can pull off with things in Doctor Who—it's so nice to see. Yes. That it can still happen, and especially with this here, because at the end of the episode, obviously, um, the Doctor breaks off communications with Davros. And he lands the TARDIS in the same street as Roses. So yeah. they've got the TARDIS up here and Roses way down the street. And Loads of abandoned cars and yep. stuff. And, of course, it, this cues the dramatic, you know, oh, run, slow motion, you know, let's let's go and hug and all that sort of stuff. But as the Doctor's running to hug Rose, out from behind, I think it's a van or something like that, or a car appears... I think it's just a side street. Is it a side street? I could swear I it's so. behind a car or something. Whatever. It's hidden and it appears. Um, Ninja Dalek. Ninja Dalek. It just drops down from the ceiling. It's like, hello. Um, hello. Burp. And it shoots the doctor. Mm-hmm. And you see the full on, you know, exterminating, you know, you see his skeleton and all that. And yeah. And then Barrowman pops like up. Stone. Yeah, Barrowman pops up. Like and guns. He's like, yeah. Well, he has a gun, and then he says, Rose runs over to the doctor and says, Jack takes says something. And then Jack picks her, her gun and uh, says, Get him in the TARDIS. So he's got the two guns yeah, going. And so they end up in the TARDIS. Yeah, Rose, you know what yeah. happens next. And I'm regenerating! And then he regenerates. Well, we think he's regenerating, and the, f- you know, the episode ends with the, him in full on regeneration. Mm hmm. And obviously, at the end of this episode, I was like, "No!" <laughs> <laughs> because obviously, it had not been advertised or mentioned at all um, that David Tennant was supposedly leaving the role. Yeah. So everybody was like, "What? He t- this? He didn't confirm this?" It's like, "What's going on?" <laughs> so obviously, <laughs> this takes us into Journey's End, uh, which was sixty-five minutes instead of the usual uh, forty-five, I think. Yeah. Um. And of course, our nerves are relieved at the start of this episode because we see the Doctor regenerating and then he turns around and blasts his regeneration magic dust into his hand. Yeah. And he stays the same and everybody's like standing there and like, what? Like, how'd you do that? And then, and then he's doing the whole like, look, my hand, you know. Yeah, magic hand. Magic hand. Um, of course, then they leave the TARDIS uh but Donna gets locked in it. Yes, whenever they've... Teleported up. Yes. Uh-huh. They're teleported up to the flagship, or whatever it's called. I doubt it's the flagship. Flagship, name of a shopping centre in Bangor. <laughs> uh, so they were teleported to the flagship shopping centre where Davroth was like, oh no. Oh no, you go to Poundland to get me some money. Uh, so Donna is stuck in the TARDIS um, while the Doctor, Jack, and everybody are in like we like shield pod things um, and then Davros pushes a big button and the TARDIS falls through the floor and basically is heading towards the core the last child of Gallifrey towards the core of the ship or something like it's engine core or something like that yep um, and of course 
Donna's basically been knocked about inside the TARDIS and is like lying on the ground. Yeah. And uh, the TARDIS is basically. She like, keeps hearing TARDIS a, is like keeps, bobbing up and down. And she keeps hearing a heartbeat, mm-hmm. which she's been hearing since the start of the episode. So um, then something happens, the hand kind of. You know, she goes to grab the hand. Yeah, and then just, that's when it's like leading up to the TARDIS's destruction because it's like bobbing up and down. Like, yeah. It's not molten lava, but something pretty funky. And she touches it, and then there appears a naked David Tennant. Yeah, it goes like, you're naked? Oh, yes. <laughs> and then uh, saves the TARDIS and stuff. And, of course, uh, we get the first hint here of the Doctor's not quite right. This Doctor is quite yeah. right, because... He's got the same attitude as Donna. Yeah, like, oh no. Because she's like, cause she's like uh, shut up, spaceman. He's like, shut up, Earth girl. You know, oh, well, I'm half um, half human. Well, isn't that wizard? <laughs> but uh, this was the first like season finale that I'd watched and really enjoyed it. And one thing that stands out for me is the song, Song of Freedom. Mm-hmm. Um, music that Murray Gold did and them all stand around the TARDIS apart from Jackie who was told not to touch anything as they tow Earth back to where yeah. it belongs um, another thing I like is that there's so much going on in this episode in that the way we mentioned with Torchwood uh, they could have easily like just abandoned the characters and just said alright oh, look here's your Torchwood character see it bye yeah um, Whereas, at the same time, you see it all going on that Gwen and Yanto are in the Torchwood Hub and there's Daleks mm-hmm. come down and yeah. you hear it explained that Tosh has put a time lock. Yes, I didn't think she'd finish working on it, but she did. And, obviously, that thus saves their life. Um, but this is where you see... It's around this time that uh, Cribbins is around with the paintball gun and, he's, and he shoots the Dalek in the eye stock with the paintball gun. Which is quite entertaining, I must yeah. say. Um, but uh, Davros decides that uh, you know he thinks the TARDIS has been destroyed and all that sort of stuff. But the uh, he explains that he's uh, made a reality bomb <coughs> because what is it? Isn't it mentioned that uh, what like the lights are going out across the universe or something? The stars, the stars are going out. The lights are going out. Yeah. No electricity. Like, turn the lights off. Save money. Uh, hey, who turned out the lights? Hey, who turned out the? That really upset that guy. But this is where you see the whole, he tests the reality bomb and the people disintegrating and Jackie saved yeah. by the wee transporter thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I always thought there was something going on between Mickey and her. It kind of gave you that hint there, didn't? It? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but obviously she's a happily married woman now to her alternative uh, parallel universe uh, husband again. Uh, they have a baby. Binary, binary, binary. Uh, binary. They have a baby, but that's it. Yeah. Um, but right, come on, we need to wrap this up because we, we we've been going an hour, so okay, we're okay, going okay, to we're, we're going to boycott the first three of doc, uh, specials and just talk about the end of time. Well, quickly, we'll do the other three quickly because um, there's one we can't miss. There's one we can't miss because there's a certain person up. Okay. Uh, Skip ahead a wee bit. Uh, obviously, the Doctor uh, is with Donna, the other Doctor. Yes. The, w- the one-hearted the Doctor. One-hearted doctor, the human Doctor, so to say. Uh, it's with Donna. They get the TARDIS back, land it, and he runs out of the TARDIS. Yeah. Like a dumb thing. 
and yeah. he gets zapped by no! gets zapped by Davros. Out yeah. comes Donna as well. She gets zapped by Davros as well. And you see Donna's away over, and you kind of see her look up, and kind of there's like a glow in her eyes, sort of thing of something's gone on. Yeah. And then you see that she started fiddling with the computer, and it's causing like. Daleks to spin around and all that, <laughs> which I just thought was a really stupid way to end the episode. It was a wee bit of a, it was a wee bit too comedy. Yeah. Um, but that results in basically the Daleks disintegrating and stuff. And obviously the Doctor, the um, Dalek can kind of betraying the Daleks. Aye, it's kind of can lets it be known that he was yeah. helping the Doctor. But then the Doctor says to Davros, "Come with me," and goes like, "You did this, Doctor." Aye. Exactly. No. Um, but end of the episode, obviously... Uh, he has a lot back. of goodbyes to do. <laughs> the two the Earth back, um, drop off Mickey, all that sort of stuff. Mickey just, you know, says to Jackie, I'm not I'm not coming back with you, isn't he? Because obviously he is, like we said, his, his, his granny has died. died yeah. and also he's no reason to go back. He's, there's obviously something happened between him and Rose because she's obviously been whinging too much about oh I miss the doctor I miss the dog yeah so he leaves he, they leave at the same time because Mickey gets out Martha gets out and Captain Jack, Captain Jack gets out yeah. um, so that kind of is our first picture of a future couple in Mickey and Martha mm-hmm. uh, so off they go and then the doctor says one last stop well he has to drop Sarah Jane oh, off sorry, first sorry, sorry, uh, yeah. But drops her off. Um, one last stop. Um, back to Dalek Ostrand in Bad Wolf Bay. Mm-hmm. Um, and out to get of the TARDIS, Jackie explains she's pregnant and jokes that she's going to call the kid Doctor. And he's like, yeah. Really? He's like, No, don't be daft. <laughs> um, and then, of course, there's the whole Hullabaloosa about Rose. is like, Well, what were you going to say to me? The real Doctor. Proper Doctor says nothing and the oh, other Doctor whispers, I love you. Yeah. And the doctor explains he's like I was at the beginning. You helped me. I was an angry person. He needs help. Yeah. With him, he's, and it says he's the same lifespan as you. So happy couples. And then off the doctor goes with Donna, and then we get the line of what you've been saying. Binary, 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 binary. You know, you know, you could fix the communion circuit by blah blah blah, and then start yeah. skipping. And the doctor unfortunately has to wipe poor Donna's mind. And we see that I think it's an absolutely amazing scene of just Wilfred at the door with the rain coming down and the doc yeah. just standing outside and it's, you know you can just see like because obviously Tennant has like his hair gelled up, yeah. The rain's just wetting it and it's falling down across his face and all, mm-hmm. and you just see Wilfred stand there and like he salutes, salute them. Yeah, and then you see the TARDIS disappear. It's like, oh, yeah. You just see him inside and he's all wet and kind of all bummed out. And that's the end of Journey's End <laughs> the end of Journey's End yeah. sad so yeah we'll jump onto these specials quickly we won't go into a huge amount of details to be totally honest I'm going to skip the next Doctor because next Doctor was a big letdown to me because yeah. everyone's like oh, it is actually going to be the next person who's next playing the Doctor or something yeah, like that and DMR, then it's so. like alright oh, it's a human who's got their mind messed up and it was again the Cyberman and there's a giant robot in Victorian London and it was like mm. uh, so yes uh, Planet of the Dead one one that you enjoy and this is the one that they wrecked the double decker bus in yes they had to, keep re- like, they had to rewrite like, it how do we have to do that make it float yes uh, uh, so Michelle Ryan from EastEnders <laughs> and another soap Lee Evans uh, this, many Malcolms and Bernards this is 
why we had to go on and do this episode is because Lee Evans. Lee Evans in this episode is absolutely brilliant. Yeah. He really, he really can play a wacky scientist really, really well. Mm-hmm. And he's got uh, the comedic sense in there as well. Of course, this episode was the first proper HD episode of Doctor Who. The next Doctor was broadcast in HD, but had been originally filmed in standard definition. Yeah. But Planet of the Dead was really good, because some of the scenes with Lee Evans just were brilliant. Because you see, was it the girl from Unit with the gun, and she's like, do this, and he's like, you'll just have to shoot me? Yeah. Um, I won't do it. Um, but honestly, as well, um, one of the people on the bus says, oh, but Doctor... Your story is coming to an end. He will knock four times more. <gasps> that's the master. Oh, yeah. so that's kind of the main thing you get out of this episode. Well, special. Yeah. Then you have Waters of Mars, which didn't like this episode at which all. Which is an anagram of Master's War. Aren't you? A and it has somebody. Genius, Russell T Davis. Aren't you a genius? Yes, with words and stuff. But I didn't really enjoy this it episode. It was a bit of a freaky sort of episode. So it was um, annoying with gadget, gadget. But, and it does cause a bit of uproar with Doctor Who fans in that there's the sudden change of opinion in the Doctor and that yeah. save them and yeah because he was dying and all and, um, give a damn anymore yeah and then he saves your woman and she goes in the house and shoots herself herself basically yeah. basically show, to show the Doctor that you can't control yeah he's more like acting like God because he's been told that he's going to die so it's a case of he's more um, aggressive doctor and doesn't take uh, doesn't take things um, too well. And then you see the reappearance of Ud Sigma, mm-hmm. and basically like trying to get in contact with the doctor again, basically saying your time's coming to an end. Yeah, and that's where that special ends. And of course, then this leads on to end of time two-parter Christmas and New Year special, sixty minutes and seventy-five minute episodes here. They really do not feel like it because they go really, really. Yeah. Um, I watched End of Time Part 1 last night and I just remembered how much I loved these these two episodes. Yeah, well, End of Time Part 2 was the first one that we watched together. Because obviously... We have to watch it because it's David Tennant's... It's an end, end of an era, so to speak, because David Tennant um, was the main reason why I got into Doctor Who, so obviously seeing him... You know, like his last story and how it pans out, which I thought was beautifully done. Like all the homages to the people he said goodbye to at the end, yeah. because obviously they didn't know if um, they would be used in the new series, whether yeah. we'd have the likes of, you know, Donna Noble or Wilf or yeah. um, Captain Jack. So I think the way he did that um, was very, very good. And seeing Mickey and um, Martha together, we were like, oh, that yeah. Was- but of course, uh, the episode kicks off uh, that the Doctor arrives back on the planet that we saw in Planet of the Ood. Yeah. Uh, Ood Sigma's in charge, and the Doctor walks out of the TARDIS with like a straw hat on and like a, you know like the wee necklace of flowers that you would get in Hawaii. Yeah. And he explains that uh, he wasn't going to rush because he doesn't want his story to end. Yes, he, he said my story was going to end. I'm in no, I'm in no hurry for yeah. that. And then I just absolutely love and cannot get enough of just the way he locks the TARDIS. Like, yeah, bleep, bleep, bleep. he's like, like a car. It's it's meant to be funny. No. <laughs> um. So he goes off, speaks to the uh, like hierarchy people or something, 
and he explains to them about the master and they're like we're having bad dreams doctor um so at the same time in relative terms the master's brought back to life using yeah, but hold on right, go ahead but then they say one man is having more thoughts and it goes like Wilfred yeah, is he okay so you can see you can see the concern on his face for Wilfred um but, and then, of course, the master's brought back using the bio imprint from Earth. Very Harry Potter esque. It was very freaky. Sort of. I yeah. thought it was a wee bit too easy that they said that she had a antidote. You know, yeah, like, you know, yeah. You know, our family knew people. They made an antidote and boom and mm. all that sort. Of. For me, the end of time part one is good, but there's part two where everything happens. Yes, 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 yes. You know, like, but at the end of time, part one, um, David Tennant says, you know, like, him up there, Skeletor, whatever he's called. Uh, at that point, I just marked out. I was just like, yeah, he said Skeletor. One of the wee bits I love in this episode as well is how much, obviously, these these two parts of end of time, basically, Wilfred is your companion. Yes. Which, yeah. absolutely, we, we loved. Um, and just uh, for me, they didn't have, need to have Donna in this at mm-hmm. all. Um, I think it was a very, very much like in the same way in the Christmas Carol, you didn't really need to have Amy and Rory in yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Whereas in this here, you didn't really need to have Donna in it. But I just like the wee bit that Wilfred's kind of set up this operation to try and find the Doctor yeah. and stuff like that. Um, of course, then you see that there's this guy, uh, Naismith, who for some odd reason was doing all this stuff for his daughter and wanted to give her immortality and that sort of thing. It seemed a wee bit of an unnecessary part to the story, them mm. two, because they're very prominent in this episode and then pretty much vanish. And it's yeah. a whole master thing, but they, yeah. their characters basically just you know, cease to exist in the second part. But Which we'll get on to now. Basically, the Doctor is in another quarry in Wales uh, <laughs> and the master's there and you hear on the master has like a big piece of like a steel pipe or something yeah and then he gets like a steel drum on a drum and it's in rhythms of four that's the knocking four times Mm -hmm. in fact it isn't it's like what is it I don't know Um, (laughs) but of course the master gets captured so to say and he works with the what is it it's like a gate something whatever it's like the Vinvachi people it's like a health it's yeah. like a health thing that fixes entire planets but the masters fiddle with it and it's on his template it, mm-hmm. basically it's on the human template but the humans will transform into the master and this Which, is what happens yeah this is what happens every single person on the planet yeah and the bit you see at the end of course that we didn't mention is this is all narrated by a certain ex-James Bond a kind of Time Lord, because he keeps changing faces too. It is indeed. Yeah, which was, of course, Timothy Dalton. Yep, Timothy Dalton. Um, he plays Rassilon. I remember reading in the preview for uh, part one, well, he says cut it. off at the end, yeah. because it stops with just all the masters laughing and mm-hmm. that sort of stuff, whereas you see that the Time Lords will return yeah. in part two, you know, for Gallifrey and all that sort of stuff. So part two opens Timothy Dalton uh, in a very uh, ravaged Gallifrey. Yeah. It's in the middle of the time war and that sort of thing. It's time locked because that's how we find out it was, it was the doctor that locked it. This was the can't get. Yeah. So yeah. they're basically find, trying to find a way 
out and the master's the key because of the drums in his head. Yes, yeah. So what is it he threw? Was it like... It's like a... Like because a, of the... A pointed like a star. star or something yeah. like that. Yeah. Throws it, the master sees it in the sky mm-hmm. and then off they, all, off they all run to try and get that. So that's... Was it that's... That's their link? That's their link, yeah. And then once he amplifies that sound, then they all come through, including... Um, two people who opposed them returning which he says are the original weeping angels and there's a lot of controversy whether one of them who was talking to Wilfred and, you know and everything is whether that's mother. the doctor's mother um, which is quite interesting but we see the cacti people <laughs> the Vinvachi and <laughs> the, the doctor goes the doc- this part one though the doctor goes hey I knew someone like you he was, but he was only he was small and red he's yeah. like that's a that's what is that that's a that's a bocce or something we're <laughs> Vinvachi um, but of course, the the doctor and Wilf and the Vinvachi escape up into their ship. Mm-hmm. Basically, he knocks out the entire power. That's when there's a brilliant scene between Wilfred and the doctor. Yes, and very basically, good you know, like I would be honoured for you to be, you know, yeah, my dad or whatever it was, something like that, dad or granddad, one of the two things. Uh, and there's the gun, and the doctor's like, no, yeah, no, never. Um, so. Fixes the ship. Ship goes down. They get like a million rockets fired at them, yeah. which is just like ridiculous. And you see Wilf having Bernard uh, having like a Star Wars moment. Yeah, like in the um, the gun shooting down the, um, the missiles while the Doctor's like spinning the thing around and and everything. And then it, um, he's approaching the castle and. Um, Wilf says to him, Doctor, I, I know you said you're going to die, but is is this it? Because if we're all going to go, I'd rather know. It. Yeah, and then um, you see him like take the gun, and then he like falls down through the glass in front of Rassilon. And absolutely and rips Tom Baker's regeneration apart. <laughs> and then the master's behind him, so he points the gun, but kind of like just falls down because he's at Yeah, wrecked. and then there's basically, you see, it's the exchange between, obviously, Rassilon has come through from Gallifrey Gallifrey's in the sky and all that Um, and so you have the master on one side and Rassilon on the other Mm -hmm. and the master's like you know it's not me it's them and so the doctor's you know spinning round flicking between the two and then what is it is the the doctor says like get down or something or get out of the way and then he shoots yeah shoots the thing and that uh, causes what is it is it I'll just call it a portal to start closing and then the master says get out the way yeah and he starts zapping him and that's when the, doctor, the doctor's on the floor and he goes like he goes yeah. like I'm alive and then you just hear the well sorry you have to go there you go yeah well you hear there you go to which I'll, I remember sitting here you and then just speechless. just grabbing Alan's arm and went no because it's Wilfred who has knocked four times in the radiation this, bay thing. Yeah, and then we see the doctor have like a kind of breakdown, going like uh, and again, kind of an angry breakdown. You're not, you look at you. You're not remotely important, but me, I could do so much more. And then he kind of stops himself and goes, "Live too long." Live too long, and then um, Wilfred goes like, "No, no, please, please, no." And the doctor says, "It would be my honour." And absorbs it all, um, all the radiation. And this was my point because he like curls up in a ball on the ground. Yeah. I think, look, that's where he's going to regenerate. Yeah. Like I was, expect- was all. I was expecting to get up and the face to be Matt Smith. 
Mm-hmm. And obviously it didn't happen then, and then it's explained that he gets to say goodbye to everybody, and that's where we see all the scenes. Yeah, because um, Wolf says, don't worry, you go in, he says, to get my reward. Yeah. So he goes and helps everyone and stuff. And so um, see, it's Martha and Mickey who are fighting us on Tarn. He's up on the thing, waxes us on Tarn in the back of the head. Yeah. And they look up and see him. Alonso's introduced to Captain yeah, Jack. Yeah, was it as the doctor slipped him a note or something? Yeah. And he saves Luke Smith, Sergeant's son, yeah. from getting hit by a car. Yeah. Um, Which is kind of an in-joke, because apparently they never look crossing the road yeah, in the Sarah Jane, that's, so that's, that's why they put that in there. That's why Tana put it in. But then, also, kind of, I thought it was kind of a nice one, and it wasn't something I would have thought he put in. Is the great-granddaughter, granddaughter? Granddaughter of, from Human Nature. Yeah, from Human yeah. Nature. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She's like, Doctor's like, was, was, she, me, was she happy? Yeah, and goes like, yes, for you. And you see his lip quiver, and he kind of just walks off. And then obviously see we, we see Esther Ranson, sorry, Billy Piper. Um, you know, it goes like, what year is it? 2005, which is where Doctor too much to drink, mate. kind of began. Yeah. Then we see the epicness that is... Folly, folly, Don't murder that, because that music is... I that could music not believe goes, that was sung by a man. Yeah, that music goes so well with that. And then, obviously, we see their re- regeneration, but, which, to me, this is the first regeneration that I've seen, and the one that I just was so... Yeah, I was so torn up with. And to be honest with you, if I was to watch this, I still get pretty teary-eyed about it. It, it gives you a shiver up your spine. But it's the music that really yeah. escalates that. And Murray, Murray Gold greatness. Yes, indeed. Um, so we see the TARDIS get completely destroyed, and then we see the appearance of Matt Smith. I'm a girl! <sighs> I'm ginger. No, not ginger. I've still got legs, legs. And then, then there's the whole outrage of like, Oh, you're gingerist. When in fact, Doctor Who's had like three ginger companions in like the last couple of years. What can you say? Right, so this has been, what, uh, 77 odd minutes? 75 minutes, say? Good. It's pretty good. So that's David Tennant I'd covered. <laughs> um, the reason why we can't, we don't want to spend too long dwelling this, so we have to go to a break. Have to go to a break, and then we're going to talk about Matt Smith and his lovely companion, that is Amy Pond. <coughs> he just keeps calling her Pond. Pond. So join us after the break, and I hope uh, that you will enjoy us talking about Matt Smith. And then we'll read out some of your lovely emails after we discuss Matt Smith. I don't think it's going to take an hour, in all honesty. Are you ready for the 11th hour, ladies and gentlemen? I know I am. See you after the break. Bye! You're listening to a podcast on popculturenetwork.com. Be sure to head on over to the site at www.popculturenetwork.com to check out more podcasts and videos featuring toys, comic books, video games, and all the things you love. And while you're there, be sure to check out the Pop Culture Network store, where everything you purchase helps to keep us producing. Just head over to popculturenetwork.com and click on store. Hey everybody, this is James Sawyer, otherwise known as Solid. Are you a fan of the Mattel Masters of the Universe Classic line? Well, head to motukfigures.com. That's M-O-T-U-C figures.com. We've got some great pictures of the figures. We've got creator interviews, Ask Maddie segments, comic scans, and a whole lot more. After you head there, go on over to facebook.com slash Masters of the Universe Classics and join a bunch of other fans in discussing the line.
legs. Good. Arms, hands, knee, fingers. Lots of fingers. Ears. Yes, eyes too. Nose. And I've had words too. Blind. Hair. I'm a girl. No. No. I'm not a girl. No. I'm still not ginger. I'm something else. Something important. I'm. 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 Crashing. Hey guys, I'm Rob Bass from Not Mitten Box, and you're with Chris Vince and Alan Price, and this is Operation Retroshock, only on the Pop Culture Network. My name is Amy Pond. When I was seven, I had an imaginary friend. Last night was the night before my wedding, and my imaginary friend came back. All of time and space, everything that ever happened or ever will. Where do you want to start? Anywhere you want, any time you want. One condition: it has to be amazing. Now it starts. You might want to find something to hang on to. It begins. Simple instruction. Don't follow me under any circumstances. Will you follow him? Of course. Because this is what I do every time, every day, every second. This. Hold tight. Because it will change your life. There's one thing you never put in a trap if you're smart, if you value your continued existence, if you have any plans about seeing tomorrow. There's one thing you never ever put in a trap. And welcome back from the l- break, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> you were going to say long break, but the break no, gets uh, not long. No, it's uh, it's good, ladies and gentlemen. We're <laughs> back, and it's time for Matt Smith and the Eleventh Doctor. Hopefully, this shouldn't be too long, because um, obviously he hasn't done as many episodes as David Tennant. No, and a lot of people may say that he hasn't d- done as much uh, noteworthy stuff as David Tennant. Um, but uh, it's hard to believe that in a couple of months that it was a year ago that we first saw his first episode, which was the 11th hour. On the 3rd of April, 2010. Yes, the 3rd of April. Um, I thought this was a good story for him. Um, I love the opening. I have to say, I love the opening with young Amy. Yeah. And just, you know, obviously you see that I, I liked, I'll start from square one. I'm a fan, as you know, of computer graphics in it. Uh, <laughs> and seeing the TARDIS going across the sky in London and that sort of stuff mm-hmm. uh, and then it crashing but I loved just the opening couple of minutes here with the you know the exchange between obviously you see young Amy's up there and she's like 
praying for help and stuff like that. No, yeah. sorry, trying to say to Santa, like, Santa, no, it's not Christmas and all. Yeah. And there's the crack in the wall, and then you hear the doom, and it's the TARDIS has crashed on top of her shed. Um, and she's like, oh, look, and then out she runs to see what's going on. Have you got an apple? <laughs> and he's, like, gripping onto the top of the TARDIS, well, when the TARDIS is lying down, like, the top, like, he's hanging. Um, so he hops out, and she's like, oh, like, what are you, and all that, you know, what are you, and stuff. So they go inside and tries all the different food, and yeah. just the exchanges between them. Fish fingers and custard. Because I think it's great the way the young Amy is played by a cousin of Karen Gillan that she never met. Oh. Because I think this one, like, her family moved to Ireland or something like that before this, like, her cousin was born, so she never met her. So... There's striking family resemblance, obviously, with the hair and all. Yeah. Um, but, of course, then you see, after the whole exchange and the infamous now fish custard, <laughs> um, Doctor hopping back into the TARDIS because he hears the cloister bell going. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is something about the engines are phasing, I think, or something along those lines. There was uh, one of the Tom Baker episodes that we see Tegan for the first time. I can't remember what episode it is, but he's with Adric, and you hear the cloister bell going off, which... You hear the cloister bell in Peter Davison's first episode as well, because they're trying to like eject all the rooms out. Oh, yes, yes. Uh-huh. Well. Um, but you hear the cloister bell, and he's like, the engines are phasing, you know, it's going to be a big boom and all that sort of stuff. If I don't... And so off he, he runs back into the TARDIS. Uh, and you hear him like splash into the pool. Mm-hmm. Um, you said you had a pool. I did. Pool's in the library. <laughs> um, of course, off he goes, and we Amy sits there waiting for him to come back because he says he'll come back. And of course, he gets the time and wrongs when only the doctor can. <clears throat> that starts us off, and basically, the whole main next part of the story is that um, begins off the doctor goes back into the house. There's a lovely young woman there now um, doesn't realise it's Amelia um, dressed in a lovely police outfit um, and then what goes on here is that there's an extra door yeah look out of the it, corner of your eye because yeah. you know, he's like how many doors is there in the room she's like one two three four five because like no look again look again yeah. and there's another door and it's just like what um, so there's it's prisoner zero that was the whole idea with the crack at the beginning escaped mm-hmm. so he's chasing them about and of course we see Matt Smith destroy David Tennant's sonic screwdriver yep and and uh, it's closed as well of course also the TARDIS is pretty much shut for business in this episode as well because it's repairing itself yeah so it's kind of the first episode we see of Doctor Who in a many many number of years from the old ones that the Doctor has to do the pretty much the bulk of the story with no sonic screwdriver yeah. um, which is nice and different um, but of course we find out that the doctor had a striking impression upon Amy when she was young and you know, the raggedy she, doctor, raggedy doctor and <laughs> she'd made toys and all that sort of stuff um, so of course they find out that this thing's been taking shapes of dead people well, not dead people, people, people in coma yeah mm-hmm. um, and Rory, we see Rory for the first time in the hospital, and he's been taking pictures of stuff on his phone. Yeah. And that. But basically, the doctor needs to stop the, what is the guards coming for Prisoner Zero from destroying Earth. Yeah, because um, they only have a limited time. They say, like, Prisoner Zero will be destroyed, but 
that actually means the entire planet that Prisoner mm-hmm. Zero is on. Um, so then we see Amy and Rory uh, are in the hospital, and Prisoner Zero has tracked them down to there. We also see the interesting thing about uh, when the doctor's in Amy's, I think, is it is her auntie's house or something like yeah. that? It's like, delete your browsing history. Yeah, so go like, Jeff, got a girlfriend. And delete your browser history. Yeah. Um, but they're back in the hospital, and Prisoner Zero takes the shape of, like, the, uh, takes a, the woman, the two girls. Yeah, it goes like, oh no, I've got it wrong again, haven't I? Yeah, and it's like, silence will fall. You know, the mm-hmm. Pandora will open and silence will fall, Doctor. Yeah. Um, so that goes on, and he, what is it, he confuses it or something to reveal itself. Reveals itself. Does he not send, like, some code or something on the phone? Yeah, sorry, he sends the code with the help of... Jeff yeah. and uh, the Sky at Night and all that sort of stuff, the Sky at Night yeah. crew. Patrick, Na- uh, Patrick uh, Murr. Yep, so that happens, but it, all, it reveals the Prisoner Zero. The, I'm just going to call them the, the cops now. Uh, <laughs> find them, get them, um, and then this is where we see the uh, Doctor make his clothes decision. Yeah, very much like John Pertwee did. Like Pertwee and Paul McGann. Mm-hmm. All basically nicking their clothes so you see the exchange between the doctor and the cops on the top of the building it's like you know do you know who I am and you see it go tick through all the regen, you know the generations the, of the yeah. doctor mm-hmm. so you see it go from Hartnell right through to Tennant and then you see Matt Smith walk through David Tennant's face and it kind of vanishes mm-hmm. it's like I'm the doctor you know basically run yeah off they go and then we see See the doctor goes. Uh, he goes back to the TARDIS. He goes, yeah. He says, "Oh, I'll just need to give it a quick test drive. I'll be back." Yeah, he says, "Like, so, what do you have for me?" Mm-hmm. You know, like through the TARDIS, he's like rubbing his hands. So, what if, what have you got for me? Which was pretty neat. Yeah, and then he goes in. Obviously, then he eventually comes back for EMA. Which, like, which is, it's been like another year, I think. Yeah, he stands outside and he clicks his fingers, and Amy goes in and says, "I need to be back tomorrow." And he goes like, oh, don't worry, I'll have you back tomorrow. And it pans the shot of her bedroom and you see the wedding dress. It's like, uh-oh. Yeah. So that concludes the 11th hour. And the next one is one that I can't really remember oh. because I didn't really <sighs> like this one. Beast Below. Can we just skip this episode? I'll, I'll mention it quickly. Yeah, but Beast Below ma- is not the best episodes. Uh, basically, they're in like this ship and they find out that there's, like, what was it? Was it like Victoria or Elizabeth, the like twenty seventh or something, uh, is a queen, and there's like a democratic vote, but she keeps forgetting. She like they elect to forget, and when they place, oh their, yeah, they place their vote that wipes the memory. So obviously, in the next episode, whenever they say about the Daleks and stuff, Amy, Amy can't remember, and then he says, well, "Like, why can't you remember? Why can't you remember things?" Yeah. yeah. Um. So Beast Below eventually finds out that it's like a giant wheel carrying the ship. But it's getting like zapped and stuff. It's getting zapped and stuff, and it's inhumane, and the doctor gets really angry. So, again, another like animal cruelty kind of thing. Yeah, so nothing really kind of big comes out of this episode, apart from at the end, you see again that there's like a crack in the hull off the side Uh of the ship. And then his phone rings. And his phone goes bring, bring, and it is Winston Churchill on the telephone. So, uh,. That takes us quickly into Victory of the Daleks, which is... 
Bill Patterson, who played Ali Fraser in the second series of Avita Zen Pet. Brilliant man. Alrighty then. And another brilliant man is Ian McNeese, who plays Churchill. Yeah, he was brilliant, didn't it? Because I remember I first found Ian McNeese in Ace Ventura, Pet Detective <laughs> yeah. number two, where he is going up and looking for Ace Ventura. And a lot, lot thinner back then, too. Yes. Well, he was a younger man as well. Mm-hmm. He, he, was no, he was no thin thing. Yeah. He was a lot thinner than he is here, but he's getting old, so you don't really care about your figure all that much when you get old. So you just like, let's enjoy ourselves. Um, but this is Second World War Britain, written by Mark Gatiss, um, the man who enjoys his you know, period episodes. Um, so the Doctor arrives, basically the TARDIS plonks down in like a week, like cabinet or something like that. It's like yeah, a, and then they come out and there's like all the guns and stuff. Yeah. They go like, oh, Doctor. It's like, stand at ease. Yeah, he's like trying to get the TARDIS I, key from him. I, I, I really do like the exchanges between Churchill and the Doctor because yeah. um, it's like two good mates. Mm-hmm. Trying, because the Doctor kind of, you know, explains that, you know, been out together a few times, you know, having drinks and all that sort of yeah. stuff. You know, just being lads and that sort of thing. But Churchill says, Oh, yes. I have something to show you, Doctor. Yeah. And off the pop to the roof. And there's a squad of uh, Messerschmitts or something from Germany coming over. And then you see, you just hear the the only way you can say it is the exterminating sound of the gun yeah. from a Dalek and basically boom 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 planes destroyed nice easy and, and Matt Smith's doctor is going what is that I have to see that and he climbs up the ladder and you just see a <laughs> I loved it a camo coloured Dalek <laughs> up here and he's just like oh dear yeah. this isn't good um, and he immediately starts to try and explain that you know, it's not an iron side, as uh, their inventor Bracewell explains. These are the Daleks; they aren't manufactured. Yeah. But the Would doctor, you like a cup of tea? But the, but basically, the uh, Prime Minister Winston Churchill isn't having enough of it. He says, "These will win us the war, Doctor. Yeah. You know, these will save me lives." Whereas, in actual fact, it's Jimmy Dodges the same flies. <laughs> but obviously, the Doctor keeps boiling and boiling and boiling. You know. He basically cracks, and then he runs up to the Dalek eventually with like a big flipping wrench and starts beating it over the head. It's a wrench or a spade or something. Something yeah. big and metal, and he just starts whacking it and like, you know, you are you know you are my enemies. You are the Daleks, and I am the Doctor. And they're like, analysis identity confirmed. So it was a it was a trick, mm-hmm. and of course then at that stage we find out that Bracewell is in fact a machine. Yeah. And the Daleks off the pop up into their ship, and we see that they have been planning to recover. Um, was it? Is it the Presidium? It's the Presidium of Daleks, I think it is. Don't count me on that, because <laughs> um, I could have got that wrong. But I think it's right. Um, but it's a case of no. Sorry, I know what it is. It does begin with P. The Progenitor. Right. It's like a wee. It's nearly like a chocolate Easter egg. Like thing of nearly like a wee small version of the arc, I thought. Okay. A miniature arc uh, from back when uh, with David Tennant and all. Um, and they needed the, you know, the confirmation, the progenitor, that they were the Daleks. Yeah. Because, because the 
the way we saw as well back in the first series with Eccleston, the Dalek race has got watered down over the years, mm-hmm. so they're not purebred Daleks. That's when we see the Doctor hopping the TARDIS and go up to the ship and you see all the multicoloured Daleks coming it's, out. It's self-destruction Jammy Dodger. And... Yeah. Uh, and then you um, see that's uh, kind of, in space. That's kind of, for me, where the episode kind of falls flat. It's a wee bit of... And whenever they're trying to recover Bracewell as well, you know, by, you know, trying to get him to latch on to his emotions because he's like... But Amy, bu- Amy becomes quite seductive. But he, he has like a bomb inside him or something, so... Because he's a machine, it's like his energy thing. Yeah. Becoming mm-hmm. a bomb. Yeah. Um, and Amy becomes quite seductive in her techniques and like, hey Bracewell, is there any girls you like that you didn't, you know, you couldn't and all that sort of stuff. It's just like, easy. Um, <laughs> easy, big fella. So that's, that basically saves Bracewell from blowing up and all and then you see, because um, that stage the Doctor had to decide stop Bracewell from blowing up and wrecking the mm-hmm. Earth or going after the Daleks. Yeah, and then obviously whenever Daleks. they, whenever the episode finishes and the TARDIS uh, dematerializes, then you see a crack in the wall behind uh, the TARDIS as well. Like so then we move on to Stephen Moffat, who seems to love these angels, these weeping Stephen angels. Angels, um, because obviously this, these characters are from what is considered his most successful episode. Yep. In Blink. Um, so yeah, the first of our two-parter is Time of Angels, which uh, sees the return of River Song. It opens up. She's on like this. She looks gorgeous show. in that dress. Yes, I must say. Um, so she's breaking in trying to grab stuff and all that sort of stuff and no it's not a case of that she's trying to she's like got was it's the flight recorder or something she's like got she the blowtorch and then it, yeah. the doctor says to we have an old high old high Gallifreyan yeah and because what does it say hello sweetie mm. so then there he's picked it up and they're running and into like, the TARDIS need a lift sort of thing and then you see yeah uh, she like goes out of the airlock and he opens the door of the TARDIS and whoosh in she comes mm-hmm sort of thing and she's like oh hello sweetie you know knew you would come sort of thing and then of course uh, they land and you see the crashed ship yeah and something has escaped from the hull but they don't know this yet Uh, so they go off they meet the rest of the like army crew and we see that's was it they're they're religious again it's some it's weird that all yes it's it's more that's more like their church now is that so yeah. Um, so they go and they meet them, and you know we kind of see hints getting dropped that River Song isn't like um, with them, but under their command. Yeah. Because something's happened. Something she's done something. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's when Amy has her first encounter with a weeping angel because she's watching the TV. Yeah. And it uh, was it something. The, the the, image. Something that holds an, an image of an angel will become an angel itself. Yeah, the eyes are the window to the angel, yeah. so it's like, whereas you're meant to look at it, you know, like you're not that's to look at you see, eyes. Like, the wee bit of like, dust comes out of Amy's eye, yeah. and so that's the hint that she will become an angel. She's uh, already an angel anyway. But oh. in the exchange just before that between uh, River and the Doctor, you see the reappearance of a certain item from back in the library which is the little blue book in the shape of the TARDIS 
Yeah, and she asks, have we done this yet? And the doctor's like, stand there. No. And then she, she says that she has... Pictures of him. Pictures of all the doctor's faces. So, huh, whether she's the Rani, whether she's the master, whether she's this, whether she's that. Oh, I so whether she's I Captain, hope she's not the master. That whether she's stupid. Captain Jack, as people are saying. I, I, uh, I, I don't know. I don't know. No, no. Um, so they end up going into uh, it's like what is it? It's like the maze of the dead or something, which is like a labyrinth of stuff. Uh-huh. And there's like these worn away statues, and isn't that explained something about they've worn away because they haven't had energy or something along those lines? Something like that, yeah. But then uh, nearly a bit like uh, the library, the the angels start. Plucking off members of the team and killing members of the team. Yeah, but they have they two, have their voice. Yeah, but they have two heads as well. Mm-hmm. And because the doctor says I made a terrible mistake. Yeah, yeah, and then because um, it's Bob who talks to uh-huh. the doctor. Angel and, like, Bob. Yeah, the angels are coming. Or so that's whatever. like the library in the sense of you yeah. know, who turned out the lights, who turned out the lights, you yeah. know, the voice sort of thing. Um, but we see here we get to the end of the episode that their only means of escape is the doc to fire a gun at the Byzantium. Yeah, which sorts out like the gravity and but I do, I do think the kind of what he says at the end of that episode is fantastic. The way he has like a wee bit of a monologue and all that sort of stuff. Um but then it's something to do with he fires it at the Byzantium and what is it, something to do about gravity or something. So Yeah, that's what I just said. Flips them up onto the ship. Yep. And they'd be like, look, we'd be floating on the ceiling. <laughs> um, it'd be not nice. I'd be quite scared of that. Um, so continuing from the previous cliffhanger, but like, it's not a cliffhanger, it's a ship hanger. Um, we see, what is it, the, isn't there, is there a door on the ship or something? Like yeah, well, like, a hold thing? they go through there and he has to like short it out. So it's a case that they have to be quick and whenever they get into the main room, that's when Amy starts counting down. It keeps counting down from ten, and uh, the doctor notices this. And uh, whenever they actually, because they open up the hole and there's like a forest there, so they go into they go into that there. Uh, basically, gets left yeah, basically, Emmy Emmy has to have her heart restarted, or um, because her you know like it's kind of absorbing her, so they have yeah. to like stop her, Save her. and then. Tell her not to open her eyes. But while she's blind, one of the soldiers goes off to see where the what this white light is. Yeah, and he disappears, and she's talking to the other soldier, and he's like, "Oh, I have to go and check this, you know, which is again the white light." Yeah, and she's like, "What did such and such not come back?" And he's like, "Who?" And then one of the soldiers uh, was in, I think, Carnation Street. Lovely. Mm-hmm. So what's happening is they're getting wiped out of space and time. Yeah, um, completely their entire life are being completely forgot. Um, so it ends up that uh, the doctor explains that something like that could only be caused by something like the TARDIS exploding, mm-hmm. which we get more hints to later. Um, so of course, then you see uh, there's an exchange between the doctor and the angels because, like, they raise like the shield of the room they're in. Yeah, the doctor's in. And he's like, hold on, and basically all of them, he turns the gravity off, and yeah. all get sucked into the white crack. Mm-hmm. That saves the day. Yeah. And again, we see 
another spoiler, so to say, at the end with an exchange between the Doctor and River. Yeah. With um, the whole spoilers mentioned and that uh, the Doctor asks, you know, why in the position you are, you know, why is there a prison ship coming to get you sort of thing? And she was like, because I shot a very good man. And everybody's like, oh dear, is this like a hint to haven't shot the Doctor or something like that? Mm-hmm. But again, we have to wait to find out more about River Song. Right, so the next one for me, The Vampires of Venice, was a real... Let down. Let down. Which is odd because it was five minutes longer than normal episodes. It was 50, mi- 50 minutes. And to be totally honest, it could have been a lot shorter. Yeah. This this could this episode could have fit it into the old style Doctor Who format of like twenty five minutes for. You made it, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Um, basically, what it is, it's like fish people that people that are meant to be like they look like vampires and stuff. Yeah. So anyway, moving on. I know you like Amy's choice. So Amy's choice is it's one that really stands out to me in the Matt Smith era because it's just nice and different. Because basically, what's happened is. At this stage, after Vampires in Venice, um, Rory's now travelling with the Doctor and Amy, um, and they're fighting between two realities, and it's a case of all these different events is, are going on, and that uh, there's the Dream Lord, mm-hmm. so there is, and he's causing them to become confused. Dot com. <laughs> they're becoming confused. So they don't know whether their life in the TARDIS is real or whether the other life that he has created for them is real. Yeah. Because the other alternative is based, I think it's something like five years after Rory and Amy have stopped traveling with the Doctor and she's pregnant. Yes. Uh-huh. And so they're accepting that that's their life and they're enjoying it. And that the you know When they're in that realm and the Doctor's with them, they think the Doctor's came back to visit them and see if everything's okay. Mm-hmm. And... What's happening is they're, the whole point of the Dream Lord is he's trying to make them to make the decision that his world is the correct world. Yeah. And obviously the Doctor is trying to fight this and figure out what is in fact the real world because even he is confused because when they're in the other worlds, like they drop off to sleep and then they're back in the other one. Mm-hmm. And of course, uh, when they're in alternative world where Amy's pregnant um, Rory gets killed yeah it just turns to dust turns to dust and Amy's like oh no and the doctor has figured out by this stage this isn't the real one or we don't want this to be the real alternative because obviously Rory's died so it results in Amy crashes like the camper van (laughs) thing Um, and it ends up that uh, they all end up back and the TARDIS. The TARDIS and, and the Doctors. And the Dream Lord congratulates them. Yeah. But the thing I find that's really awesome with the Dream Lord is he's dressed exactly like Matt Smith. Mm-hmm. He's wearing the same jacket and that sort of thing. So, the, you know, the Dream Lord congratulates them. He reactivates the TARDIS. Um, and he po- pops off and disappears and all that sort of stuff. Um, and they realize that the reality was false. Um, and the Dream Lord was, I think it was something... Was the Dream Lord meant to be like a manifestation of the Doctor's dark side? Yeah, because then you see the Doctor look into the controls of the TARDIS and you could see the Dream Lord yeah, looking back. Like reflection. So it, yeah. Yeah, it's kind of a case that the Doctor was the ta- it was him all along. And, of course, you kind of... 
it kind of ends with Rory and Amy being all happy because obviously Rory's alive. Yeah. And the doctors like he kind of see him. He looks worried because he's like, could this be a possibility for his future? Mm-hmm. Could there be? Could an evil side come out, so to say? Um, next, we'll have double parter. The skip, uh, please. Bit of a letdown, but it's shouldn't. Have, it was another one of those ones. Shouldn't have been a two parter. Should have been a one parter. Yeah, we see the death of Rory, kind of. In we this. see the proper death of Rory, and, and the whole explanation to do with the crack. Yes, and that the doctor picks out uh, part of the TARDIS the from yeah. the crack. I don't understand, again, probably a debate that has been raged for ages is how can the doctor stick his hand in the crack and not be sucked in himself, that th- sort of thing, but of course... We see the return of the Silurians. In the Pertwee era. Pertwee in uh, one episode of Davidson, I think. But um, it's but not much... It doesn't add much to the series. As look, well. For me, this for me this would rank up there with The Beast Below in terms of his weakest... Um, episode, yeah. episode, yeah. But then we had Vincent and the Daleks. Vincent the, and the, the da- Daleks. That's awesome. Vincent yeah. and the Doctor. That's a sequel that I've created. Vincent and the Daleks. Vincent. That's whenever the Daleks just stand um, still and. Will Vincent, you paint Vincent. a picture of me? <laughs> yeah. Would you like a cup of tea? Um, so, Vincent and the Doctor. Um, I thought it was a pretty decent enough wee episode. It's kind of one of those ones that um, I think could divide people in the sense of whether they'd be remotely interested in Vincent van Gogh and that whole story. and Bill Nighy's in this as well. The whole monster. Bill Nighy, small part, but very good performance. Another one from Ovidus and Pet Series 3. And he is in Pirates of the Caribbean as well. <laughs> um, but it starts off with Amy and the Doctor, <coughs> and funnily enough, uh, the, I think it's, what is it, the movie? It's like an exhibition. It's, it's or, in France. Yeah, it's like an art uh, exhibition. I visited that <coughs> when I was younger, um, and there's a Van Gogh display going on in Bill Nye. He's the... Uh, Curator? Yeah, he's explaining all the stuff to people, explaining about Van Gogh, and the Doctor's like, hmm, and so they end up going back. Yeah. To Vincent Van, Vincent Van Gogh's here, or as it's supposedly meant to be pronounced, Vincent Van Gogh. Yeah. Let's get the phlegm up there. And they find out that he's just pretty much a bum that's drinking and trying to pay yeah. for his drink with his paintings, paintings and that yeah. sort of stuff. And nobody wants them because they say they're rubbish. Um, and then we find out that there's been this monster going around that nobody's seen and it's attacking people in the back alleys and all that sort of stuff. Um, and this is where we see the doctor goes. He ends up in the TARDIS and he's looking through, and he's like getting a de- it's a device from like a great aunt or something like that, and it identifies him as Hartnell. Original? No, sorry. Oh yeah. No, it identifies him as Hartnell and Triton. You see Hartnell and Triton, but you see him Are you not? Then you see Hartnell yeah. with the library card. Yeah. Um, I need to get that updated. Um, <laughs> so it identifies things and can see things, and basically you can only see the monster via mirror, which obviously means. That the BBC budgetary was mostly spent probably on Victory of the Daleks. But to be honest with you, this could have been one of those episodes that you don't really need a monster. This could have been like yeah. this could have been Matt Smith's Midnight. In all honesty, yeah. that he could have just had because because um, there's another one that I don't think Amy and Rory were much needed. Again, it was you know it was a light episode for them, but yeah. they, they wouldn't have been needed in it at all, really. I know there was the whole thing of Vincent Van Gogh was having a wee you know when couldn't flirt with sorry. Rory, my mouth's off on again. Obviously, Rory's dead, but uh, Amy's forgot about yeah. Rory um, because he's been sucked out of time, and Vincent's having a bit of flirt, and they're trying to explain that Amy's forgot about him and all that. Um, 
But again, like you say, it could have been primarily a Matt Smith episode. It's a good, you know, it's a good episode, but it's not one that I would sit down to go and watch again. But, um, but it's a very sad episode. Yeah. Um, because the Amy, the Amy, <laughs> the doctor and Amy end up leaving, thinking they've, you know, gave Vincent new hope for life and mm-hmm. that sort of thing. Because obviously Vincent Van Gogh uh, committed suicide at a young age, so the doctor's like, you know, let's go back and see if he's made any new paintings. Mm-hmm. And they go back to the exhibit and. You know, Bill and he's still there and talking away, and the Doctor has an exchange with him and all as well, and like bow ties are cool and that sort of thing. Um, but they find out that he still committed suicide at a young age. Mm-hmm. But they go over to his famous painting of the sunflowers, and it says on it for Amy, because obviously he had a bit of a fancy for her, and kind of ends on a bit of a sad note then, because yeah. he still died. Next episode, not Alan. Not- we can skip this. Uh, basically, we see James Corden in this and the Doctor playing football. That's all you need to know. Next. The Lodger. Uh-uh. Uh, Pandora opens and the Big Bang finale. Boom! For Matt Smith. Uh, Pandora opens. So, this is obviously where... <laughs> this created more shenanigans for everybody. That it is a bit of a cluster. Yeah, and the reset button on this was like a big yeah. message. Yeah. Um, Doctor and Amy once again receive a message from River Song because the Doctor decides to go back to like some I can't remember his planet. It's like a cliff face, um, oldest planet in the universe, something like that. And engraved on this big cliff face is again another message from River, giving him uh, time and position or something like that. So mm-hmm. he's back and. It's the Romans invasion of the UK, yeah. And she's posing as uh, Cleopatra, yeah. And she's like, you know, hello, sweetie, and she's all dressed up as Cleopatra. Um, Looks nice and dressed. The hair did nothing for her. But we also see at the start of this episode as well. It's a flashback um, to the Van Gogh episode. Mm-hmm. We see like the TARDIS exploding and what yeah. paints. Mm-hmm. Um, but you see that as well. This is again. It's nearly like previous episodes where it's kind of crossing over back and forth, back and forth because um, you see that and then you see World War 2 and you see Winston Churchill again in Bracewell and they're like, this is for the Doctor because they've acquired the painting because it was found yeah. in France during the war, boom, it's gone and then again you see uh, the Queen from Beast Below and you see River Song and she's went and got the painting because she's escaped from prison mm-hmm. and then that's why she ends up back in the Roman Roman, following? Not Roman era. Um, Everyone following this so far. It's it, it's quite complicated. It's quite complicated. Um, so they end up at Stonehenge and they go underground and they find the Pandorica um, mm-hmm. and funky looking dead Cyberman. Yes. That kind of repairs to, himself. Tries to kind of like pair himself up with Amy. Yeah. It's just like mm, nasty. Uh, <laughs> and then we see that. Uh, one of the Romans is in fact Rory, um, who turns out to be an Auton. It's just like, yes, Rory's now made of plastic. <laughs> um, and of course, then basically the end of the episode rounds off with pretty much every modern Doctor Who villain you can think of Daleks, Cybermen, Sontarans, you know, everything's in there. Uh, 
it's just like, okay, so everybody just wants to get rid of you. Um, so he gets put uh, in the Pandora. Amy, at the same time, gets ends up getting killed by Rory. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but Rory's been trying to fight it, you know, because he's like, oh, I remember who I am, and, you know, that's what he ends up shooting Amy. So, Doctor's locked in Pandora, Amy's dead, episode ends, and you're like, oh dear. Um, so, the Big Bang. So, I must also mention in the last episode, there was. Uh, Chris's favourite part of that episode is the bit where uh, Matt Smith turns into Eddie Izzard. Oh, yeah. Who's going to take the Pandora from me? Seriously, if you listen to that speech of his, it just sounds like he's talking like Eddie Izzard. That's what I noticed whenever I was listening to it on Doctor Who at the Prom. Eddie Izzard, who lived up the road here many years ago. Yes, near Picky. Yep. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, Eddie Izzard lived in Northern Ireland. Thank you very much. Uh, so, next episode, we kick off, and obviously, um, we see that. River Song is trapped inside the TARDIS. Yeah. Um, it's basically the whole triggering the end of the universe is happening here. Um, that, what is it? Doctor Sealed in the Pandorica, which then it's a case of, was it, isn't it? We go back and there's young Amy. It's, yeah, it shows you young Amy and the TARDIS doesn't land or something like that. I don't it's, know. It's, it's really I can't really remember much about this episode. Take it out through my head here as well. Um, but I'm just going to have a crisp while I'm trying to do that. <laughs> but this is, again, the whole Blenovich theory comes up here and the fact that uh, the Doctor uses a vortex manipulator, comes back, gives Rory the sonic screwdriver and then goes away and then says make sure to give it back to me and then eventually the two sonic screwdriver touch and all that sort of stuff. Uh, but Rory looks after... Was it? Yeah, because yeah. young Amy finds it. <laughs> uh, Pandora's been looked after by Rory for like since 180 or some rubbish like that. Um, but we get back, we're in the, they end up in the museum where the Pandora is kept, and then there is like, was it a Dalek that's like frozen and stuff, and then it reactivates. Yeah, something like that. And then the doctor's leaving notes for Amy to like stay at the. Pandora box is in an exhibition and then she eventually opens it and it's her older self and her younger self and oh. they get out there and then eventually they discover the doctor lying on the ground looking pretty beat up and zapped and basically he leans down to himself and blah 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 and then we find out basically he got they say he got shot by a Dalek and that sort of thing and then you see there's the exchange between River and the Dalek and the Dalek's like you know you are a companion of the Doctor, you will not fire. And River's like, double check that, sweetie. Mm-hmm. And the Doctor's like, and, no, sorry, not the Doctor, the Dalek's like, mercy, mercy. <laughs> and then obviously she must kill the Dalek. Um, but basically then you see that um, the Doctor has to use the Pandorica or something to reactivate the universe and some <sighs> other jibba-jabba reset button. Can we just... And supposedly he dies, but then... We end up at Rory and Amy's wedding, and she remembers him, and somehow that brings him back. Can we please just talk about a Christmas carol? So, that basically is the end of the series where Rory and Amy disappear off from their wedding with the Doctor in the TARDIS, and off on another adventure, which uh, something was about, there was like the Oriental Express in space or something like that. But, finally, final story to speak about today before we go on to your emails, is a Christmas carol 
which only debuted less than a month ago at the time of recording. It'll be two months ago by the time this goes out. Um, so, Christmas Carol, Chris. Yes. Um, Michael Gambon in this is fantastic. Catherine Jenkins, for somebody who has never acted before, good. is very good. Smoking hot, <laughs> and obviously her best talent is singing. And um, obviously, the time it, doesn't, it doesn't feel like it's thrown in. No, but at the time of recording, you can then go over to anywhere uh, like Amazon.com or Amazon.co.uk or Play.com or whatever, and you can order um, both this on Blu-ray or DVD that has the Doctor Who at the Proms, or if you want to, you can order the soundtrack. I'll probably be getting the soundtrack um, to put on the iPod, because I have lots of... Blu-ray, and he'll be like, "Uh, can I borrow that or something? (laughs) No, because you don't have no Blu-ray player. (laughs) Uh, But... Um, for me, the, apart from the 11th hour, this was probably the strongest Matt Smith episode. And I think it was the fact that Michael Gambon was so great in it. it was, he was a great person for Matt Smith to bounce off of. Yes. Because uh-huh. I love in this. It's just, it just it kicks off right from the beginning. Again, we mentioned that you know, the addition of Rory and Amy, not really necessary. Amy looking smoking hot, so, so that's, that's okay. okay. Yeah. Um, but you could, I thought you could have had the ship crash and without the need of having Rory and Amy on it. Because uh, yeah. um, you know, the Doctor's in the TARDIS, he can be floating about and he's like, oh, look, there's a ship's crashing. You know, mm-hmm. That's easy enough to explain. Um, because obviously you see at the start of the episode, he's like, come along, Pawn. And she's like, oh, look, it's Christmas. So yeah. uh, you see the Doctor fall down the chimney after uh, you hear a brilliant narration by Michael Gambon. It's like, you know, some call it Christmas, some call it the winter solstice back in a yeah. pagan thing. And he says, I call it wanting something for nothing. And I was like, oh, you're absolutely brilliant. And he's a bitter old man, and Matt Smith comes down the chimney and has an exchange with him. Uh, he goes to slap the kid, not Matt Smith slapping the kid, but Gambon <laughs> slapping the kid. Uh, he doesn't, and the doctor starts putting two and two together that something happened when Gambon's character was a kid. Yeah. Um, so you see, you know, uh, Sardic, uh, is Sardic, yes, isn't it? Yes. Uh, Elliot Sardic's his dad. He's Kazran Sardic. Yeah, that's correct. Um, he's like asleep, and you see a projector going, mm-hmm. and it's him as a kid doing like yeah. a webcam thing and recording himself. And he wakes up and he's like all engrossed with it, and you see his dad comes in and slaps him. So, you know, you didn't hit the boy, Matt Smith mm-hmm. says. Um, and basically, so like, where's my babysitter? She won the lottery. There is no lottery. I know. What a woman. And also, the he does that to the old yeah. woman. Song. Like, yeah, there is no lottery. To your guards. Yeah. Yeah. Because then Doctor goes, you know, he says, okay, I'll leave, but I'll see you back, way back. And yeah. you see the Doctor appears in the recording. Um, but like you say, you know, what a woman. Um, <laughs> but again, you just... It's the exchanges with Gambon basically shouting at the screen. It's like, there isn't any lottery. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And again, you know, the doctor like, we need the code. We need the code. And and he's like, 7458 or something like that. Or 7258. Yeah. yeah, and he's going like, thank you. Thank you. And then he goes back uh, and, and types back it ups, in. And, yeah. and that's when obviously with the shark, uh, the shark's been involved here. Mm-hmm. And the shark's tried to eat them. And then Catherine Jenkins is cracked open of her... <laughs> 
<laughs> crack, crack. cracked open of her like <laughs> cracked one off freezer thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, she's singing and keeps the sharky nice and calm. And they release that, and then this is start off the long line of their Christmases yeah. together because we young Kazran's like, yeah, he comes every Christmas. Yeah, very much. So we kind of mistaken the Doctor for Santa Claus. Yeah, pretty much. So they have like the adventures, and you see Kazran growing up, and. Every time that they open the freezer, you hear Catherine Jones going, Doctor! You know, because he's kind of the grown-up, so she's mm-hmm. the one he, she relates to on yeah. level. And you basically see Kazran slowly but surely, and you see him as like a young teenager, and then, boom, kind of probably, I'd say 19 or 20, something like yeah. that. And then she, the door opens, she's like, Kazran! So she's like, Hoi! How have you grown? Um, all this hair? But they don't realise, the Doctor hasn't realised that, in fact, um, when this has all been going on, the counter's been ticking down mm-hmm. in the front of her freezer, yeah. which is in fact the number of days she has to live. And if they have, I think it's one or two more Christmases together as kind of when Kazran's older. They have one Christmas, they have the Christmas they have the, the one family. Where, yeah, they have Christmas with the family, and then that's the one where for. And all that sort of stuff. They have the one where for the doctors. Sinatra and. Ma- married to. Um, Marilyn Monroe. That's when she explains yeah. she's going to die. Yeah, and that's whenever Kazran says, you know, like, you, can we you just leave it? it? Yeah, can we just leave it? It's getting a bit boring. And, you see you know, the tie taken off, which was representative of Kazran's, you know, faith and, yeah. you know, trying to be like the Doctor. Uh-huh. Um, and you see the Doctor's watching him and all with his dad, and you see Kazran at one stage goes to get the screwdriver, because the yeah, gave him the screwdriver if you ever need me. Yeah. And he just shuts the curtains, and the doctor hasn't managed to change him enough. That's why Amy interjects yeah. and shows him, you know, like all the people on the ship. Oh, like, crash off, off. Yeah, and singing like um, to try and keep them at bay. And then that's obviously whenever they learn that they're going to have to get her out to sing. Had to, to change too much for the yeah. more machine yeah. to recognise them. But she, and she sings that beautiful song. So it's very um, good. Yeah. So, but I think um, I think the like last kind of. We exchange before she starts singing between her and Kazran is very good. She's like, you know, you've been hoarding my last day like an old miser. Look at you, yeah, and all that sort of stuff. And you know, we've had loads of Christmas Eve. Let's have Christmas Day. Yeah, she goes and sings absolutely a fantastic song. Uh, And I just, I think the scene with the TARDIS disappearing in the snow as she's singing is fantastic, and it reveals the it's like the wee that was like the wee thing that they use back in one of the. Christmas is that when it was attached to the shark. Yeah. Um, that was really good. And then, of course, you see um, the Doctor and Amy and Rory back together in an extremely short skirt, yeah. snow. Uh, and he's like, Why are you dressed like that? And he's like, And Amy just completely point blank ignores him. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just think it's the end enough. It's very good that, you know, it was like, you know, halfway out of the dark. And he looks up, and then you see yeah. Kazran and all going in. Like the, it's not a sleigh, but a carriage or something like that with the shark. Yeah. Good episode. So it is. One of the better ones. Yeah. So, right. We will go to a break. In fact, we may play uh, some of the beautiful Catherine Jenkins to interlude us into, um, into the emails. And uh, then we'll just round up the show, and, and that'll be us. So that's been 45 minutes talking about Matt Smith. And uh, we shall see you all very, very shortly. Soon. 
goodbye. What's up, folks? You are listening to Operation Retroshock with Crazy Cool Chris Vent and Awfully Awesome Alan Price. If one of your favorite retro memories happens to be Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, then by all means, check out Radical Retro Turtle Toy Talk on PopCultureNetwork.com. Every week we get reacquainted with old friends from the original Playmates TMNT toy line. Fab Four fans, new and old, won't be sorry for checking it out. That's Radical Retro Turtle Toy Talk, and you can only find it on PopCultureNetwork.com. Hello, this is James Etock, and you're listening to Operation Retroshock. If you like 80s cartoons, and let's face it, how could you not, then be sure to pick up a copy of Serial Geek Magazine, the glossy 100-page ad-free magazine dedicated to GoBots. And somewhat more importantly, He-Man, She-Ra, Thundercats, Transformers, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, G.I. Joe, etc. Head on over to www.serialgeek.com. That's cereal as in breakfast cereal. Go there now and pick up the animation magazine dedicated to 80s cartoons. Go now.
Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to the break. Welcome back to the break. I said welcome back to from the break. Or you said welcome break. back to the oh, break. Oh, damn it. I am so stupid. But yeah, yes. we had... We had a nice leisurely break. Photos uh, will be uploaded of our lovely meal time. No, it will not. It will. No, it won't. Yes. No, it won't. Yes. No, it won't. No, it, it will. Won't. <laughs> I'll make sure that it will. <laughs> I've made a promise. A promise is a promise. No. So, yes, this is our final segment of the show, and uh, it's your emails. So, Chris, do you want to kick it off? No, you go for the first one. you two. want me to kick it off? Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. So, from Flava Dave of Pop Culture Network, I've mostly been following the new programs. Smith is good, but still getting used to him. I like Tenant the best, but my favourite episode is in the Ecclestone era Dalek. Good choice. Uh, Mike Lacey, I'm still trying to get all of the series on DVD, but my personal favourites are Blink, good choice. Uh, the Impossible Planet, Satan Pit, that was a dodgy one for us. <laughs> Girl in the Fireplace. Good choice. <laughs> Silence in the Library, Force the Dead. Very good. And Doomsday. Which we just watched. Yes, exactly. Yes. Uh, the next one is from Justin Wiley saying, Hey Chris, you would know me as Enciferum, we will say, from the PCN forums. I just had a story about my own childhood experience with Doctor Who for Operation Retroshock, if it's not too late. I'm not sure when you record them. Either way, I hope you enjoy so one of his fondest memories from his childhood involves two of his favourite things, libraries and Doctor Who. Combination. <gasps> I hope he wasn't, uh, you know, like, whenever they were all attacking and stuff. Wasn't that by the Vashta Narada? That's it. Every week growing up, my mom uh, would drive us to the library to get as many books as we could possibly carry. Uh, we also always got to choose just one video. One time we were in the VHS section of her library, my mom found something that surprised her and she showed it to me. It was a cassette tape with some bizarre looking alien on the cover that had all kinds of suction cups stuck to his head and in front of him was a man wearing a ridiculously long scarf with a rather odd... Scarf? Scarf. With a rather odd expression on his face. My mom um, told me it was an episode of a show called Doctor Who that she watched whenever she was a young girl and she'd asked if I would like to watch it with her. I asked her what was in it and she said all kinds of aliens, monsters and spaceships. Being about six, she just said three of my favourite mm-hmm. words. In fact, I admit they still are. So I said, yes please. Tell the manners. Yeah. And we went home to watch it. We set up a blanket on our living room floor in front of the TV and we sat down to watch it with our tuna melt sandwiches and we had ourselves a little indoor picnic. And then the video started. Uh, it began with some giant monster attacking places in the ocean and I remember being a bit frightened. That was until the man in the funny long scarf showed up on the screen. <laughs> he had a smile and goofiness about him that somehow made it me made me feel that no matter what the monsters did, everything would be alright. So And so began my love for Doctor Who, and especially the fourth Doctor, Tom Baker. Oh, and in case you're wondering, the episode was Terror of the Zygons. I'll, having said that, though, well, he says, thanks again, Chris and Alan, for doing Operation Retroshock. I enjoy it so much. You're very welcome. Um, so then he's picked... He's the first person to actually do what we asked. Uh, that sounds the, awful. Doing the doctor, <laughs> choosing the doctors and the, the episode. So William Hartnell, An Unearthly Child, Patrick Triton, The Invasion, John Pertwee, The Time Warrior, a good choice, Tom Baker, Genesis of the Daleks, another good choice, Peter Davison, The Caves of Adrozani. Right, choice. Yes. Colin Baker, Vengeance of Varos. Sylvester McCoy, Remembrance of the Daleks, meh. Christopher Eccleston, The Empty Child, Doctor Dances, George. David Tennant, Blink, Very and good. Matt Smith, 
Vincent and the doctor almost bought, brought me to tears. Well, from we, we said that earlier, so that's, that kind of links in. Yeah, very good. Yes. So, that was Justin. On to our next, which is Matt Clark, who, this is some serious comprehension. Well, you see, he, he's known on YouTube as Timey to Wimey, yes. a.k.a. Time Lord, so if that's why I sent this to him, because obviously, you know, um, with him having an... Uh, a Doctor Who nickname I thought well he's going to be pretty um, useful here and this is the one where I have to bleep a word as well yes <laughs> uh, so this is from Matt so first of all William Hartnell the War Machines possibly the closest Hartnell has ever came to doing a unit story this broke away from the norm and told a modern earth set story with a cast of characters that the audience could associate themselves with plus it got a r- rid of doo-doo uh, which wasn't a bad thing. I think that's Dodo. Dodo, Dodo. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Patrick Triton, The Invasion, completely barmy, but this is perhaps one of the most atmospheric Cybermen stories ever told. The scenes where the Cybermen come out from the sewers in central London is one of the best scenes in Who history. That was actually replicated pretty much to promote the Doctor Who experience that's coming out that we're going to in London. Um, John Pertwee, The, uh, the Demons... Uh, come on, the master masquerading as a vicar, what's not to like? Plus the closest classic who ever got to devil worshipping, plus five rounds rapid. Gotta love the brig. Uh, Tom Baker, Genesis of the Daleks, uh, the most dramatic storylines ever told. And I'll credit Robert Holmes over Terry Nation, since I can smell his handiwork all over it. Yes, it's a little long. Yes, it got some cop-out cliffhangers. Uh, but it all works towards a truly epic serial and gives us my favourite Doctor Who villain, Davros. Peter Davison, The Caves of Adrazani. This one is incredibly dark and it's ironic that it's the fifth Doctor's last, just a shame his death scene is overshadowed by Perry's chesticles. <laughs> <laughs> Colin Baker, The Ultimate Foe. Again, ironically, it took the, in Colin's case, unplanned final story for him to really shine. To be absolutely honest, I find his big finish audios far more entertaining. Evelyn Smith or Charlie being two very strong companions. Uh, Sylvester McCoy, The Curse of Fenric. Uh, vampire zombies, an evil force from beyond the time. Chess. <laughs> <laughs> and a lot of character moments. Uh, you have to look between the lines in order to twig what they're talking about. Christopher Eccleston, uh, Father's Day. Best episode of the tw- of the Twilight Zone yet, plus the only episode where I cared about the Tyler family. Ooh, that's harsh. That's harsh. Uh, David Tennant, Blink. This episode is scary, really scary, as in you might dream about it later, sort of scary. <laughs> plus, I came out of it really wanting Sally Sparrow to be a companion out of it, Stephen Moffat at his best. Um, Matt Smith, The 11th Hour, the strongest opening for a doctor ever. You end up being won over by him by the end of it. As for my favourite Doctor, I hate doing this, as I like to steal an old adage from the brig, splendid chaps, all of them. (laughs) But if I'm forced to make a decision, I'd say that Tom Baker entertains me every time. Even the crappiest uh, Tom Baker is saved by Tom Baker. Uh, (laughs) My personal favourite, though, is Sylvester McCoy. The world loves a... uh The world loves a certain um, B-word, let's just say. (laughs) The world loves a B... Uh, and McCoy's Doctor is besa- perhaps the most manipulative bee of all time. <laughs> Stories such as Remember the Do- Remembers the Daleks and The Curse of Fenric and Ghostlight prove this uh, in his use of Ace. 
Plus, the audios and books further prove that Under the Clownish Little Man is a very dark individual. I'll let you read the next one since I have like about three pages. The next one's from T.Y. Davies, who does the Doctor Who podcast, The Journey That Never Ends. Soon to be, I think it's just going to be the T.Y. Davies podcast or something along that, that line. He, yeah. he sent me an email saying what it was, but uh, unfortunately I forgot. Oh dear. Um, so yeah, T.Y., William Hartnell, an earthly child. Uh, because I get chills every time I still see it. Uh, Patrick Trout in the War Games, uh, shades of this in the Pandora Opens. Uh, John Pertwee, The Green Death, I Am Welsh, What Can You Do? Uh, Tom Baker, Genesis the Daleks. Uh, and Tom Baker's his favourite doctor. Yeah, I was about to say. Uh, Peter Davison, The Case of Adrizani, Easy One, a classic. Uh, Colin Baker, The Two Doctors, Soft Spot for Doctor Two. Uh, Sylvester McCoy remembers the Daleks Chris Freckleston Father's Day David Tennant Human Nature slash The Family of Blood sorry that's two um, don't worry it's okay it's a two-parter uh, <laughs> no, it's K it's K uh, Matt Smith Victory of the Daleks that's a good B choice as well uh, ironically for a Welshman who considers the RTD era my era because of a mad number of reasons Tom Baker will always be my doctor because he was my first one it's always the case uh, so, uh, as much as I love the, the Regenerated series, Baker has to be the legend on the list first. Uh, but when you love a series so much as we do, it's semantics. Uh, we love the whole damn lot. Okay, so the next um, we want Hunk- Hunker is, Down, everybody. Yeah, Hunker Down. This is from a guy who loves writing uh, certain documents and things. Um, so... Um, <laughs> the first one is William Hartnell in An Unearthly Child. Uh, this is not the first episode of Doctor Who that I ever saw. In fact, it was broadcast five years before I was born, and without the aid of a TARDIS, I could not enjoy the thrill of that episode being run for the first time. You like that one? I'm okay. Okay. I do remember seeing it on a rerun, and I can see how it was groundbreaking stuff back then. The whole concept was captivating, and although the episode was dated by the time I saw it, it still held my interest. It did not have the f- benefit of today CGI filled episodes, no Slovene spaceships, oh, crashing the Big Ben. <laughs> it did not have the expensive locations like Saudi, Pompeii, or Chiswick. Nor did it have the acting talents of big star names like Derry- Derek Jacobi, Michael Gambon, or Peter Kay. Spell Kay wrong! <laughs> yes, circle that. Um, and uh, <laughs> um, regardless of these shortcomings, it did not fail to entertain. So next one is Patrick, yeah, Patrick Triton and the f- the Fury from the Deep because you said that you thought it said furry as yeah. in the furry something <laughs> coming from the deep like Chewbacca the furry from the deep why this episode is it because of the killer seedweed no this is the first time the Doctor reveals sonic screwdriver this iconic device that every gadgeteer would give his le- left chameleon circuit for easy so, the sonic screwdriver saved the day on a regular, regular basis. This device seems to have no limits. It can scan any alien device and open any door, although it doesn't do wood. It can disable any enemy and is impervious to any interference except some hair dryers. The next one is John Pertwee with The Green Death. Um, it is difficult to choose a favourite Pertwee episode. There are so many great times. It was a toss-up between this one and A Planet of the Spiders. This is the two best. I really want to see that Planet of the Spiders, so I hope it comes out this year but apparently they've had some problems with um, some Pertwee restoration episodes obviously some have been pretty bad quality then Mm. Planet of the Spiders had too many sad memories as we lost this version of the Doctor so I went for the slightly less sad loss of Joe I also like the link of the Doctor's uh, visit to Metabilis to get the blue crystal which shows up again in Planet of the Spiders 
This episode does not feature the Humobile, the gyrocoptic, uh, or much of the Doctor's trademark, Venusian Aikido. Oh, well done, boy, well done. <laughs> but it does have the giant maggots, Welsh miners and hippies, the irrepressible Alastair Lethbridge Stewart. <laughs> it's also at its best in this episode. Brigadier! <laughs> Tom Baker, the brain of Morbius. Um, I picked this episode as my favourite Tom Baker because it is a great take on the Frankenstein story. Baker is at his best with some great one-liners when he faces Morbius, who is made up of body parts from a variety of different aliens. He says, I don't think Morbius suits you anymore. Uh, we could call you Potpourri or Chop Suey. <laughs> Terence Dix wrote this episode paying homage to uh, Mary Shelley. Much like Stephen Moffat wrote the Christmas Carol episode as a rip-off of Charles Dickens. Oh, Operation Shock would like to take this opportunity to say that these are the expressed opinions of Steve Munger, not of Alan Price and Chris Fint. Carrying on, Peter Davison's is Earthshock. I chose this episode because it was one of my favourite Doctor Who foes, the Cyberman. This episode sees the tragic death of the Doctor's companion, Yay! Adric. The Doctor is then left with the dilemma of where to find another smart-ass teenager with a pudding bowl haircut. <laughs> Colin Baker, the time in the Rani. When we first met the Colin Baker doctor, he says, I've regenerated and not a moment too soon, it seems. I chose this episode because, because <laughs> Colin Baker dies in it and not a moment too soon, it seems. <laughs> the next one may be one that you listeners haven't really heard of. It's uh, one that's, um, I think it's one of those lost episodes, uh, yeah, which is Sylvester McCoy and Death of the Franchise. Uh, sorry, I know this is not an episode. All oh, right. Uh, what am I supposed to do at this stage? They're killing Doctor Who. This is the greatest foe that the Doctor has ever faced. Bad writers and bad actors. And unlike the Cyberman or the Daleks, the Sonic Screwdriver's not getting out of, uh, out of this one. I think Matt Clark may be angry with that comment. Uh, I was just about to say that. So apparently 16 years of doom and gloom, very much like Return of the Jedi in Star Wars Phantom Menace. 16 long years, people, then it happens. Russell T. Davies, spelled Russell wrong, regenerates the... Regenerates the Doctor. The man is a god. Christopher Eccleston. Christopher spelt wrong. Um, I have. The empty child slash the Doctor dances. I'm not a big fan of Stephen Moffat. Yeah, no crap, Sherlock. But I must admit this story was well written. It was written during Russell, spelt wrong, T. Davies' time with the franchise. Remarkably our own Davies. <laughs> oh, Davies' time with the franchise, and I can't help but think that he had a hand in making the story winner. This episode sees the introduction of Captain Jack, one of my favourite Doctor Who companions. That I very much agree with. Uh, David Tennant, Stolen Earth. This two-part episode sees the reintroduction of some old favourites. Uh, Rose, Captain Jack, Sarah Jane, K-9, Jackie Tyler, etc. Don Noble is another favourite companion, and I would love to have seen more of her as the Doctor Donner. Do, uh, Do- Dr. Donner Kebab yeah, yeah Davros was absolutely mental and that's just the right amount of absolutely mental uh, okay. oh yeah. uh, again Operation Retroshock would like to express this opportune moment to say uh, these are not the views of Alan Price and Chris Vint Matt Smith Time of Angels Stephen Moffat breaks the rules constantly this can be seen as a trying to shake it up a bit or knowing bugger all about the history and mythology of Doctor Who. You decide. It was hard to choose an episode from the bad acting of Matt Smith and the terrible writing of Stephen Moffat and this is the best I could do. It has River Song in it. Remember in 1999 when uh, Doctor Who... 
Yeah, well, 1989 when Doctor Who was killed by bad riders, deja vu. My favourite Doctor has to be David Tennant, a great actor and a man who is in touch with the mythology and history of all the series. Watching Tennant as the Doctor was truly watching an amalgamation of all the best parts of the previous Doctor. The man knows his stuff. On a side note, uh, Matt Smith admits before getting a job he had not watched an episode of Doctor Who. Uh, since he got the job, I feel like not watching another episode of Doctor Who. Coincidence? Ooh. Not sure what this is what you wanted, Chris, but I hope it makes you chuckle. Regards, Steve. <laughs> Make me chuckle. Green giant. I need jelly baby. I'm jelly baby fueled, which you can buy in Operation RetroShock store. Coming up later. So yes, and we've received a little email from someone called Chris Vince. I've never heard of that guy. What does he say? Well, do you want to read out your own list? You may as well. No, you can. Okay, fair enough. I'll read out your list. William Hartnell, the Aztecs. It's because it's the only William Hartnell episode that I have seen. Hence why I've chosen it. (laughs) A story, whatever. Patrick Troughton, Tomb of the Cybermen. I've listened to the audiobook of this and thoroughly enjoyed it. And I've bought the DVD for £4 off eBay. That's very good. So I'm looking, to see, I'm looking forward to see that. Uh, John Pertwee, the Time Warrior. Sontarans, and it's set in medieval times. Lynx um, is not a deodorant, but a Sontaran in this episode. We <laughs> see Dot Cotton from EastEnders. And we also see Sarah Jane in her first adventure with the Doctor. Very, very good story. One I could watch time and time again. Tom Baker, Genesis of the Daleks. What's not to like about Tom Baker? Well, pretty much everything. Oh, damn. Yeah. I'd be lying. Tom Baker is a fantastic doctor. Genesis of the Daleks is his best story to date, in my opinion. Um, it's just, you see the Daleks, you see Davros. Um, he has the chance to kill the Daleks, but doesn't. <gasps> Spoiler. And uh, just a very good uh, one. Peter Davison, The Caves of Androzani. Um, I was going to to change this to Martin on Dead because I didn't want to be stereotypical and say the caves of Adrozani. Well, you can say why you thought Modern on Dead was good as well. Modern on Dead was great because um, we see see, uh, Spaghetti Head going, I'm the doctor, look Spaghetti in my head. Uh, We see two Brigadiers. Uh, We see the introduction of Turlo. That's probably why it didn't make my number one choice. (laughs) But the caves of Adrozani... very, very dark. Um, we see the Doctor sacrificing his life for Perry. Um, and just very, very good um, episode. Brilliant writing and everything. I uh, just couldn't really falter it. Pure. Colin Baker, the two Doctors. Again, um, this is probably one of the only episodes that I've seen to do with Colin Baker. Has Patrick Triton in it? Enough said. <laughs> Sylvester McCoy, Silver Nemesis. Um, not the biggest Sylvester McCoy fan, has to be Considering said. Considering I've only seen one Sylvester McCoy episode, and Remembrance was, of the yeah, Daleks. I wasn't, I wasn't bowled over by it at all. Uh, I enjoyed this one because I had Cyberman in it, and um, just um, it was a good one. So. Christopher Eccleston, The Empty Child. Slash the Doctor dances, that'll be anyway. Um, It's probably one that resonates more from the Eccleston era. There's quite a few episodes I've seen and haven't really uh, thought I could watch over and over again. Um, As Steve said, introduction to Captain Jack. um, 
and obviously that leads on to Torchwood, etc. So, yeah, just a very good um, episode the way it's written and everything. Lovely. Uh, David Tennant, surprise, surprise, the girl in the fireplace. It was a toss-up between the girl in the fireplace and Skull Reunion, because mm-hmm. it was the first episode I've seen. Girl in the fireplace, um, just a lovely story about the Doctor falling in love, and then it's a case of he can't really have that and then whenever he goes back to get her to take her to where she wants to go she passes away and it's just a very sad story um, but um, just a very very um, good story and just um, Tennant acting his best and uh, nice to have a bit of toddy in it lovely lovely uh, finally Matt Smith victory of the Daleks with Winston uh, yes um, it was a toss up between this and the 11th hour um, and I went for this one here because um, just the fact, just the fact that um, Ian McNeese plays Winston Churchill is very, very good, and, and also Bill Patterson is awesome. He is so indeed. There we go. Uh, well, I kind of say some of mine. You can do. This scene, I apologies, ladies and gentlemen, because I actually didn't make a list. He'll probably forget um, his anyway. So. Oh ha ha! ha you're so blooming funny, aren't you? Um, so right. This is going to be bad because my list is going to be shorter than everybody else's because I haven't seen every single Doctor. So I ha- haven't seen... Well, I've seen Hartnell and I've seen Triton from Five Doctors. Uh-huh. Unless there's even though Hartnell's technically... Well, you know, no, a huge you've seen part. Hartnell and Three Doctors. Sorry, tell a lie I have. Sorry, yes, saw him in that. So you can pick Hartnell, Three Doctors because that was the original uh-huh. Hartnell. Triton, Five Doctors. Five Doctors, yes. They are, there's two Doctors. I would agree with you, the Time Warrior, because that was kind of... That was the first episode of Pertwee I saw mm-hmm. and really enjoyed, but there is a good number of Pertwee episodes that are very good. Uh, Tom Baker, I would agree with Jans of the Daleks, but also I enjoyed us having a laugh with, with Robot. <laughs> yeah. It was very, very good. Yeah. Peter Davison, Earthshock, and Caves of Androzani are the top two for sure. So they are. Uh, haven't seen any Colin Baker. Sylvester McCoy, I refuse to comment <laughs> at this moment. Uh, I, uh, Christopher... Eccleston, it's probably a toss-up between Dalek and Empty Child slash Doctor Dances. Uh, How about the Empty Dalek? <laughs> uh, David Tennant, Blink is up there, but I don't. It's hard to go for Blink because yes, it's a very good episode, but it's a Doctor Light episode. Mm-hmm. Um, but it would be my favorite, really, if I had to make a choice. Um, Matt Smith. Uh, <sighs> <laughs> Hard. Um, I'll probably go with the Christmas Carol. The Lodger, okay. I'll probably <laughs> not the Lodger. I'll probably go with the Christmas Carol. Okay, it's the one I've enjoyed the most. Okay, next one is from Andy Evans, who has a podcast. If you're a wrestling fan, and um, just type into iTunes or the likes of Google Total Wrestling Show. Indeed, um, it's on every Sunday, and uh, yeah, it's a very good show. Every Sunday, five to seven live, repeated nine to eleven. That's Greenwich Mean Time, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, so you're probably talking maybe about 12 p.m., 1 p.m. Um, U.S. time on the East Coast. Time. Yeah. So his reads, William Hartnell, The War Machines, Patrick Triton, The Dominators, John Pertwee, The Sea Devils, a very good choice. Uh, Tom Baker, again, Genesis of the Daleks. Peter Davison, Planet of a Fire. Mm. Um, Colin Baker, The Trial of the Time Lord, which is like 14 parts. Oh, yes, I remember you saying that. Uh, Sylvester McCoy, Remembrance of the Dalek. Christopher Eccleston, Parting of the Ways, and or Dalek. Uh, David Tennant, The End of Time. 
I'm very good. Uh, blank, and Matt Smith, Vincent and the Doctor, or the 11th R. Cool. Uh, the following ones are all from the Doctor Who podcast forums. Um, yes, they all are. Yes. So, uh, carry on now. Uh, this is Trev from the DWP, one of the co-hosts of the show. Uh, before I give my faves, let's clear one thing up. An episode in the classic era, uh, part of the story, i.e. episode one of Cause the Axos, for example. Uh, an episode of the new era, post-2005, is a whole story. But anyway, moving on. Uh, William Hartnell, the Aztec, same as you. Mm-hmm. Uh, Patrick Troughton, the Invasion. John Pertwee, the Time Warrior, same as us. Uh, Tom Baker, uh, Mas- Mask of Mas- Mandragora. Yep. <laughs> uh, Peter Davison, Caves of Androzani. That's uh, his favourite one. Uh, good choice, sir. Good choice. I agree with you wholeheartedly. Uh, Colin Baker, uh, Mind Warp, though not 100% sure on this one. Uh, Sylvester McCoy, The Curse of Fenric. Christopher Eccleston, uh, Aliens in London. That's a different one. No one's said that for Eccleston mm-hmm. yet. Uh, David Tennant, Family of Blood, two-parter. Uh, Matt Smith, Silurians, two-parter. Uh, the next one is from an ingenious username <laughs> by Breathing Mate. Breathing Mate. This list fluctuates depending on the state of my mind and my memories. But today, William Hartnell, the Dalek invasion of Earth. Uh, Patrick Troughton, his favorite Doctor, the War Games, and that's his final story. John Pertwee, Inferno, good choice. Tom Baker, the Deadly Assassin. I didn't particularly care for that one, but that's just me. Peter Davison, Caves Androzani, uh, Colin Baker, Revelation of the Daleks, Sylvester McCoy, The Greatest Show in the Galaxy, <laughs> uh, Christopher Eccleston, The Empty Child, The Doctor Dances, David Tennant Blink, Matt Smith, The Pat- Pandorica Opens, The Big Bang. Very good. James, also from the DWP podcast, uh, agree with Breathing Meat's first sentence. Uh, in brackets, how did you come up with that username, by the way? Uh, I agree. Uh, William Hartnell, the Celestial Toy Maker. Uh, Patrick Triton, the Abominable Snowman. Uh, John Pertwee, Invasion of the Dinosaurs. Tom Baker, City of the Death, and that's, that's his an- favourite doctor. That's another very good episode, City of Death, I must say. Uh, Peter Davison, Kinda. Uh, that's not. He kinda likes Peter Davison. That's <laughs> actually an episode title, everybody. Uh, Colin Baker, Vengeance on Varos. Uh, Sylvester McCoy, Remembrance of the Daleks, uh, Chris Fagelston, The Empty Child, uh, David Tennant, Utopia, different one than everybody else, uh, and Matt Smith, A Christmas Carol, agreeing with me. Um, so I think it's fair to say by this point that Eccleston's fairly on top with The Empty Child as his favourite episode. Yeah, and, and Peter, Peter Davison with... Yeah, because that's the next one, Nick Whit... Nick Whitfield? Sorry, Nick. Uh, this probably changes from week to week, or what I'm watching or listening to. Uh, William Hartnell, The Reign of Terror, Patrick Triton, The Web of Fear, John Pertwee, His Favourite Doctor, The Demons, or Demons, however it's pronounced, Tom Baker, The Talons of Wang Chiang, uh, Peter Davison, The Caves of Adrazani, Colin Baker, The Mark of Rani, Sylvester McCoy, Remembrance of the Dalek, Christopher Eccleston, Father's Day, David Tennant, Human Nature, Family of Blood, and Matt Smith, Amy's Choice. So, oh damn, I forgot about that for Matt Smith. <laughs> Amy's, oh, Amy's what choice a, for number two. What a surprise. Alan's forgotten something. Amy's choice number two behind Christmas. Number two! Um, so, I think we can work out... I think Hartnell's most was the Aztecs. Yeah. Uh, Trout, 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 Trout I don't think, had an overall one that you know stood out as a favourite. I think the Invasion may have been. Well, we had two with the Invasion. Hold on. If there's two, then I think that's it. Got it. Hold on. Two... 
I think you're right. Three. Yeah. Three three invasion and two war games. There you go. So that's it's an invasion for Patrick Triton then. Mm-hmm. Uh, John Pertwee is the Time Warrior by yeah. a mile. Yeah. Uh, Tom Baker... It's Genesis of the Daleks, I think. I don't think anyone wrote anything else for Genesis of the Daleks. Well, apart from uh, Nick there at the end with the Talons of Wang Chiang. Yeah. Uh, and James from the DWP wrote City of Death, but the vast majority of people have wrote Genesis of the Daleks. Uh, Peter Davison, Caves of Adrazani by a mile. Yeah. Uh, Colin Baker was I think his was up in the air. I think his was all over the place. His was up all over the place. So very much like his portrayal. <laughs> Sylvester McCoy, I think. Well, hold on. I think the two doctors would be. I think the two doctors would be one that would be would be chosen the most. For Colin. Well, if you think about it, there's two for. I picked it, and somebody else picked it. Um, well, if it was two, then it's one up, then. Yeah, and then you picked up, or you picked it for Triton. So by rights, yeah. there's three. So, um, so then Sylvester McCoy, Remembrance of Daleks by a yeah. mile. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chris Eccleston, Father's Day for Nick, but I think most people have went for the Empty Child. Child, but Father's Day, I think, is close second. Yeah. Uh, David Tennant, we've had. Good few for human nature, family. I think we've had two think, of those. I, th- I think, think blank, blank, blank there's three on the fir- uh, first page. and second page. And then I voted for it as well. So. Yeah, and I think Steve voted for Blink too. So no, he voted for Stone Earth. Blink with Family of Blood and Human Nature second then. Um, Matt Smith, two for Christmas Carol, uh, one for Vincent and the Doctor... 11th hour got, I think, two as well, possibly. Uh, Victory of the Daleks got two, didn't it? Because you voted for it and T.Y. Davies voted for it. Yeah. And uh, what did what did Steve say? Uh, he just said he didn't like Matt Smith. <laughs> um, okay, well, to say... So I think it's a tie in Matt Smith's one between... Uh, Christmas Carol. Christmas Carol and 11th hour, possibly. So... Uh, so that's all of them. Um, so I think it's actually time to announce to the ladies and gents of who in our poll won the favourite Doctor vote. Yes, yeah, so well, obviously this isn't a conclusive um, poll from this all the Doctor the Who... vote and Tom Baker. Uh, don't complain. Um, of all the Doctor Who fans across the world, but it's just from Pop Culture Network, Doctor Who Podcast, Facebook, etc. Um, some together. Some people wrote who their favourite Doctor were, some people didn't, so... So, in joint third place... Colin Baker and Colin Baker. No. Oh. Joint third place, John Pertwee mm-hmm. and Peter Davison. <laughs> Yours and mine. Yes. Uh, second place, Tom Baker. <gasps> oh no! Tom Baker number one. <laughs> and in number one position, David Tennant. Shock horror. By one point, one point ahead of Tom Baker, and Baker was two points ahead of Davison and Pertwee. So, there you go. So it was obvi- it was obviously a case of. Davison and Pertwee are favourites, very fond fan favourites, but obviously Tennant and Tom Baker are just on that extra step up. I think it's, yeah, it's safe to say Tennant is the favourite modern day one, Tom Baker is the favourite. Retro one. Retro one, yeah. 
Sweet. With being Operation Retroshock. Indeed. And stuff. So, does that conclude our Doctor Who marathon? How many hours have we spoke? I don't know. I'm speaking lots. Because at the time of recording this, at the time of this, at the time of you listening to this, we be in jolly old London, England. If you're listening on either 17th, 18th or 19th of February. Well, it'll be up probably at least, it'll probably be up Saturday evening or Friday evening, I would say. You never know, I may put it up on the Thursday because we fly away on the Thursday, so <laughs> just keep an eye out. <laughs> yeah, tell them, tell them that whenever they'll be listening to this. Just keep refreshing the iTunes feed. Yeah. There's no point telling them this because they're listening to us. Shh, I don't care. It works anyway. Refresh, refresh. I send it through time. Get a white screen of death. Oh no! I know. Oh no! So then we have more recording to do over there, and God knows what we'll be doing over there. Yes, that's true. Yes, I thought you were going to say we, something. Right? Didn't we say in the last episode we were going to say who our favourite things were in certain? Things? Yes. So okay. Well, who's your favourite companion then? Favourite companion, uh, probably uh, lost aside. That <laughs> uh, <laughs> rules for brigadier, right then. <laughs> mm. <laughs> I like a man in uniform. Uh, <laughs> oh, I only just... Captain Jack Barrowman. Um, is this just an awful time? Yes. Okay, right. Because it was modern, who I would probably have to say the person who stood out most since I started watching Doctor Who back in 2005. Definitely not Rose. I like Freeman's portrayal with Martha, but it's Donna that stands out the most. Of modern, if I have to go for an old one, it's prop. It's more than likely Sarah Jane. Okay, even though he's not really class as a companion, the brigadier wins it hands down. Well, that's me. the reason why I haven't mentioned him is because people kind of tend to combat whether he's a companion or not. He has been in the TARDIS, so supposedly a lot of people say that kind of is a prerequisite to be called yeah. companion is that you have to have been in the TARDIS for a trip or something like that. Um, but Brigadier is up there, whether he's a companion or not, in my opinion. If Character. he's not, if he's not, or people are going, I will pick Joe Grant. Fair enough. Um, she had like 20 babies? <laughs> and that's why I pick uh, Joe Grant. You listen in, you go back in time, and you look fine like you did with, J- with John Pertwee. With the yellow boots? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, kick me there. Uh, <laughs> and then modern day companion... <sighs> Cribbins because he did technically yes he's a companion t- yes technically is because he did go on an adventure with the Doctor show that's my favourite I was just trying to think of it in the sense of more than one trip sort of thing but Crib- feeling that Cribbins is acceptable feeling that it would be uh, Donna because I just think she's quite funny um, do you have a favourite moment of Doctor Who or if oh. somebody was to say to you sum up Doctor Who or what Doctor Who kind of means to you you know that kind of thing <laughs> Hard. I probably have two favourite moments. Um, one of those being obviously the time we watched David Tennant's last episode here, yeah. because that's kind of a big deal. Alan held me after I started crying. Chris was, Chris was <laughs> inconsolable. I actually got a text message from a very good friend saying, Are you okay? after he regenerated. Post, he posted on Facebook. I was so caught up that day. Um, not as bad as you think, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> it was awful, man. But then I think. Uh, second one would be watching my first Peter Davison episode because I just really enjoyed it 
because it was it was the five doctors you lent me. Technically, mm-hmm. yes, not solely a Peter Davison episode, but I very much enjoyed his the, performance. That's the best way for you to actually, if you're listening yeah. to the show and you're like, say, Flavor Dave or Mike Cure, only really getting into the newer ones. The five doctors is the best Perfect. way for you to start. Fair enough, you don't see Baker. Or Tom Baker heard about Baker anyway and knows that he's a wacky individual and yeah but that's the best way for you to start because you have fair enough it's not the William Hartnell but you have you know Triton with the Brigadier you have Pertwee with Sarah Jane you have um, fair enough Baker's not in it you have Davison and you have Davison with Turlow and um, Tegan Um, so it's a good way to get you started you see like some of the classic um, bad guys, you know, such as the Daleks, the Cybermen, etc. And you see some other people pop up from the Doctor's past. Um, but yeah, that, that's that's one one that I started watching. But for me, at the minute, it's re it's watching all these older who's mm-hmm. and watching them from the first time, like watching that Martin Undead. I thoroughly enjoyed getting them from iTunes. Which is available uh, for all your listening needs. <laughs> Another Apple device. Um, and watching the likes of them, like watching, let's say, like Pirates of Mars or whatever. Things that aren't available in DVD, but yeah. then being able to pay, like, say, five pounds for, like, four part thing or whatever, it's very, very good. Uh, unfortunately, I have downloaded The Time in the Rani, which was absolutely awful because I didn't know Bonnie Langford was in it. <laughs> and she'd be crazy and she screams and, oh, it's ter- don't watch that one. It's horrible. But I suppose it's just basically um, getting to know the characters and getting to appreciate, you know, what went into it then. And you can't watch something that was made in the 1970s and go, here, this doesn't have CGI, or my God, this looks terrible. Fair enough, some of the... Some of the monsters look terrible in it, but... It's um, to do with a BBC budget. What was the one with Pertwee, the... Was it Pertwee? Yeah, it was Pertwee. I can't even remember. Well, the Sea Devils I really enjoy, but there was another one that I said had the best, like, um... Ugh, this'll bug me now! (laughs) It's not the Claws of Axos, because I can get into that. It's one to do with something... There's, like, a war... kind of thing. Don't don't (laughs) rack your brains, because you're going to get annoyed now. I'm going to get annoyed because I don't know what it is. I think I don't know if it's Frontier in Space or whatever. I don't know. I'll figure it out sometime and then I'll come back to you all, folks. <laughs> in about four years. Down um, favorite master. Ooh. John Sim is good, but um, for me it has to be Delgado. Yeah, he's just brilliant, and you like him in a sailor hat. <laughs> He is hilarious in the scene. I just like the fact that he's watching the clangers and he doesn't realise it's a TV show. Yeah, that was brilliant. It was just like, look, it's a space You will obey me. No. Okay. <laughs> uh, but no, he was just brilliant. It was perfect foil. Perfect foil to John Pertwee, in my opinion. They really played off each other really well, like and they're yeah. and they're re- Fencing fight, <laughs> yeah, because like, devils. You think so? I'll have a sandwich. Nom, 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 nom. <laughs> um, one thing I would like to see, you know, this is kind of the next point uh, I would like to talk on is what you would like to see from Doctor Who, uh, not in the sense of the modern series or anything like that, but I would like to see the guys at Two Entertain to bring out. I know they're trying to release the stuff in like 
you know, periods and all that sort of stuff. Here's a DVD. Here's a DVD. I would like to see Tom Baker, the complete collection, Peter Davison, the complete collection, have them, complete collections, the best you can. Obviously, with Hart and all, Triton and all, mm-hmm. of the last episodes, and there's some they only have audio to, so I completely understand that. But the ones that they have all the episodes to, I would love to see it the way we have with Modern Who, in the sense of there's your whole series in a box. I know it's a wee bit more difficult uh, with the older ones because obviously, and you know, an episode. What, so you mean like four parts? Do you mean like do a complete collection, or do you mean like do like a series? You know, like so if it was broadcast between second of January nineteen seventy and then the end either, of January, either or, that, either or, uh, whatever, okay. whatever way would work out best. Because that's the thing with me and uh, wanting to collect them is. There's, I'm, you know, I'll be online. I'm like, oh, there's a Peter Davis one. And I was like, I'd want to get that, but then I hold back, and I'm like, maybe in a year or two. Hold back and thinks Chris will get that. I'll watch it at a friend's house. No, no. <laughs> I just think, you know, maybe in a year's time or something, they'll announce that they're going to do box sets or something like that. Mm-hmm. I know they have them because obviously we watch Modern Undead and Terminus and all that sort of stuff, and that's kind of Leverage that's him. the Black Guardian trilogy yeah. and all that sort of stuff. But I just like them to do either do it series by series or do it just this is all of Peter Davison's episodes I think episodes. you know especially this year it looks like they'll just be releasing the way they have been yeah. and they'll be releasing you know like the sure, um, same as they probably have this well planned for a couple of years because we've heard it with the likes of with your He-Man classics figures that they probably have it planned for like the next two or so three years maybe more 2017 well there you go There, that's even more probably not that advanced but <laughs> they have this all laid out and yeah. it's probably not going to happen, but it's something I'd like to see. I think it's a case of, you know, they'll release, like, the Auton trilogy, which will be all focused on the Auton. Mm-hmm. They do bring out the revisitation ones, which are, like, the best of, so to speak. You know, so the first ones had, like, Genesis of the Daleks, Caves of Adrazani, and they had another story, I don't know what it is. Uh, and they're doing that again with a couple other, you know, episodes. thing is, I have them all. But I think it's a case of they've been brought up to better... Definition. Yes, definitely. Um, like, so I remember you had a part we went on there, you know, the other day, and I walked in and I was like, God, that's bad quality. Ah, it's from iTunes. Uh-huh. That's that's why. So it's just shame on you, Apple. Shame on you. Yeah, it hasn't been restored or whatever. Um, what would you want to see this series, or who would you want to see return? Ooh, hard one, hard one. Because uh, obviously we've seen the crossover with the doctors. The doctor is dead, or the doctor dies. Whatever was Sarah Jane and mm-hmm. Joe Grant. So, is there any character you would like to see? Oh no, that's interesting. See, I like the way I, I specifically went out of my way, obviously, to watch the episode of Sarah Jane that Matt Smith's in. Mm-hmm. Um, well, the two-parter, but technically, he only appears towards the end of one of them. Um, but I'd definitely see it and see the old companion Joe Grant and all um, and I like the way at the end of that episode Joe mentions the other companions the way Tegan's back in Australia and all yeah. that sort of stuff um, I'd like to see them do maybe like a one-off special spin-off like that is related to the old companions or something like that mm-hmm. I doubt very much that'll be ever brought into Proper Who but it would be interesting to see um how the new Torchwood relates in to Doctor Who if there will ever be any future cross yeah. in that um, be it Barman coming back or anything like that because obviously Doctor Who for the upcoming series 
has taken the step to film physically in America. Yes, obviously you can tell from the trailer for the next series that it's not like it's 2010 America. It's obviously like the 60s and stuff. Like, yeah. like looks like you know, kind of. A, from what I've seen, it looks like the Doctor could be the result, the cause of Roswell, so to say, something like that. It looks like a New Mexico sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so obviously they won't be involved in that. But it would be nice to see if you know, possibly in the future, maybe not this series, but Barman appears again, maybe with Torchwood or something to link in. Mm-hmm. So. Doctor Who gets promoted again more in America because yes, Doctor Who's popular in America, but uh, I know you've spoke to people before and they haven't been able to get the DVDs obviously in yeah. America and that sort of mm-hmm. stuff. Uh, and it's but fair enough, it has been played on like BBC America on Boxing Day, the Christmas special or something. Yeah, like that. yeah. So that's good. Um, but I just hope for a slightly stronger season this year because I think some of the stories really let. Stephen Moffat down from what we expected of him because we've been so used to Blink, we've been so used to you know the one you know the whole River Song and the Library and that sort of stuff. So I'd like to see him really just go for it, hell for leather this time, make it really enjoyable, and uh, it'll be interesting to see where the characters go. Okay, and before we go your favourite musical track from modern day who oh don't do this to me um, I enjoy Amy and the TARDIS from the recent series obviously I like the Catherine Jenkins track from Christmas <sighs> Valley Deacham does stand out a mile though yeah so it does for me it be Valley Deacham and I am the Doctor yeah uh, for me, but validation just because I kind of cement, you know, tenants last time. His last moments. You know, there. Yeah, his last moments. But um, obviously, whether we get to see him reappear soon, um, you know, because if you think about it, it can viably be done that he is kind of still a doctor, but one with one heart. Mm, that's true. Because then that's a case. Sure, of remember that was the rumours that they were going to do that for America before. Obviously, Torchwood got an American deal on that, so they're going to do uh, Doctor Who in America, and it was going to be with Billy Piper and David Tennant. So that would have been but then that would set up for that. That's how they can explain his aging yeah. if they need to. You know, like whereas who knows, who knows. Yes, exactly. Right. So before we go, Alan, over to you because we have to open up some shop or something. Yes. Um, by the time you all listen to this, the Operation Retroshock store will have probably been open about a day, about three and a bit weeks. <laughs> Uh, it's actually only been open two days when we're recording this. Uh, so yes, uh, it's Operation Retro Shock dot Spreadsheet dot co dot uk. No, not Spreadsheet. Nah. Uh, Operation Retro Shock dot Spreadshirt dot co dot uk, and it'd be the Operation Retro Shock Retro Shop. So you can go on there. What good stuff do we have from them there, Alan? We have loads of t-shirts for everybody. Uh, some for the men, some for the big men, and some for the ladies. Because <laughs> we know what the ladies be like. They like the t-shirts. Um, just let everybody know there's not a single dime being made in these shirts. There is. A, it's just a case of for you to be able to have a shirt if you so wish. Because um, we've got the original RetroShock shirt on there. And we've also got... Operation Red Shock made Northern Ireland t-shirts. Northern Ireland. T-shirts. Excuse me. There's also Chris's favourite shirt, the uh, Operation Retro Shock 
Jelly Baby's t-shirt. Jelly Baby's. Is, it says, on the front, Operation Retroshock, reliving all things retro. Uh, and on the back, uh, Operation Retroshock, Jelly Baby Fueled, which mm-hmm. is apt, because again, we do have Jelly Babies beside us today, so, mmm, lovely. Um, the girls also get them. There is a lovely, uh, not to be stereotypical or anything, uh, pink, <laughs> blue. pink t-shirt for the girls, but you can pick all your own colours here. Uh, there is an option. I'm going for the navy one with the jelly baby one. The female one? <laughs> yes, because I, I would just hug my hips, that would. My hips don't lie. Mm-mm. There is also a female version of the Northern Ireland t-shirt. No, no. And there for you, is, Debs. And there's another uh, girl's shirt on there as well. Personally, I think the pink shirt with the white RetroShock logo on it looks better than the other pink shirt. And yes, like I said, there's the original RetroShock shirt on there, the big and tall t-shirt for those who have a little bit more junk in the trunk, <laughs> uh, even though that be your trousers and not your top. Um, so yes, go on there, check it out. Uh, now Alan, a uh, thought has just come to me. There's certain gentleman or lady fellow listeners went I like an Operation RetroShock t-shirt but there isn't really anything there to my liking I would like this to be said would Alan Price be able to knock up that on a t-shirt and say this is available for you for a pound or two dear whatever spreadsheet ask for (laughs) Um, yeah um, really it all depends Uh, if we get enough of your requests if there's Say, for example, uh, you want a RetroShock t-shirt that basically has like the RetroShock logo on the front, be it our uh, initials logo, just ORS, mm-hmm. or the full Operation RetroShock one. Uh, Have on the back, Alan Price and Chris Vint, they be my friends! <laughs> um, and there's something maybe specific you want on the back, like say there's something stupid we always say, or say, for example, Alan Price True Fact. Uh, <laughs> that's picking us really out of the thin air if there's something we've said that you would maybe think would make a funny quote or something for the back of the shirt let us know and we may make it into a t-shirt just drop us a line at the usual Alan Price Pop Culture Network that's Alan A-L-L-A-N P-R-I-C-E at popculturenetwork.com and Vintoman at popculturenetwork.com you can also drop Chris a line on Skype at Vinto316. That'd be correct. Or you can go over to the Pop Culture Network forums. All the lovely details about this will be in the Operation Retro Shock forum part. And it'll be like ep- uh, Operation Retro Shop. The link will be in there for you to click on. In case we have said it too fast and you can't write down. But then you should be able to rewind and then hit play again. So that's your I own will, fault. I will go, not I will go really slow. Uh, it's all the W's dot... Operation Retroshock dot Spreadshirt dot co dot UK, and they do ship to America as they well. They ship everywhere, everywhere. They ship to and Venezuela as well. Yes, and they're good material shirts, so don't be worrying about that. Um, you've seen Alan with his Operation Retroshock T-shirt on before. I've got a Master Universe Chronicles one. Of course, if there's any demand for Master Universe Chronicles, then who knows? We may transform it into a combined shop. You never know. Transformers. You probably wouldn't be allowed to sell uh, your uh, He-Man T-shirt though, because it does infringe just a teensy weensy bit on copyright. Where? The He-Man logo. It's not a logo though. No. Um, yeah, and there was something else that you had to say too. Oh yes, uh, the oh, person. Yes. Oh, oh yeah, dig it, yeah. Uh, the person who buys, obviously, we would like all you. Competition time. Fi- 
all you fine listeners to buy a t-shirt um, if you buy a t-shirt that gets shipped to you and you go like wow that's a cool t-shirt I'm going to wear it because that's what they're for get really your, that's what t-shirts are for that's what they're for not for wrapping around your head or wrapping around your buttocks oh but anyway, that's where I've been going wrong this whole time I know put some shirts on <laughs> oh damn it um, so it just means that if you buy a t-shirt Get a picture of yourself in uh, like an odd place, whether it be say it's like Sween Halleck in the library. Yes, for example, um, even uh, I'm just going random here. Uh, say you're listening to us, you live in Sydney or something in Australia, and you have the shirt, and you just happen to be able to sometime say be wearing the shirt and being like in front of the Sydney Opera House, something completely yeah. random. Doesn't matter where. Uh, be it uh, from Niagara Falls, I don't know, <laughs> wherever. You can't in front of a TARDIS. <laughs> yes, yes, by all means. Uh, send us a picture in, and the best picture will win a PS3 game, which is region free. Yes. An Xbox game, which is unfortunately it has to be PAL, so it would be uh, a UK winner for the 360 game if you choose 360. You can, or we'll just, or we'll just try our best first. You can uh, avail of the 361, but there's no guarantees that it yes. will work. Um, so it's entirely up to yourself if you want to go for it on that front. But as I say, the PS3 one is region free, so it'll play in all regions. Um, obviously, if you don't have a PS3 but somebody else does, then there you go, we can give it to them uh, if they took the picture for you or whatever. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just drop us a, send us the picture, or you can post it in the Pop Culture Network forums and do that there. Um, obviously, um, between times of Operation Retroshock, you may hear my podcast, Master Universe Chronicles. What? Yes, Master Universe Chronicles. I don't know this show. Also on popculturenetwork.com, that's right. Yeah, so um, obviously, um, I do commentaries with my good friend, James Bustatoon's E Talk. So we may be meeting in London, England. So obviously, if there's any now, by the time this is out. <laughs> obviously, if there's any episode you would like to hear us commentate on, um, I'm trying to get the 2002 show on because I really want to talk about that. Um, Shira, Shira, I don't Shira. really know that much about, um, so I don't know. I don't um, know. <laughs> so, so you can go to Pop Culture Network forums, post in there. If you want to see an interview with anyone, or if there's any discussion that, like um, you want to take part in. All you have to do is record yourself talking about that said subject for five or six minutes. Email it to me at Fintoman at popculturenetwork.com. Give it a listen if I like what I hear. Um, I shall bring you on the show. I want you to interview a man at arms. I can try and interview Gary Chalk, who voiced Man at Arms, the 2002 show, and also He Man, New Adventures of He Man. That's a possibility. Who knows? Possibility. Keep an eye out, ladies and gentlemen. Indeed. So, with that being said, Alan, are we ready to go? Are we ready to then go to the Doctor Who Experience? Since we're in London, England, at the time of this, um, going out on air, possibly. Well, Who knows? it all depends on the people to be listening. We could be in London, England. We could actually be physically in the Doctor Who Experience. We could be in the airport. We could be dead. We could be floating in the aeroplane. We could be on the leather ship. But who knows? But either way, we hope you have enjoyed this absolute crazy marathon <laughs> of Doctor Who uh, we can't believe how long it's actually took us to record this Good uh, this it's, been, this it's been over probably a number of three or four days this has taken to do the entire last three episodes for you all pretty much yeah. um, and funnily enough if we have decent enough uh, stuff that we get from uh, the Doctor Who experience from recording uh, you may just get a fourth episode so 
There you go. Yeah, so this this is episode three of four. Um, obviously, we'll put up stuff, so it depends on what we uh, cover, both audio-wise Need, and Needless to say, it all depends. You know, We could come back from the Doctor Who experience and be absolutely knackered and not able to record. <laughs> um, so episode, then, you know, part four could potentially be a video report or something like that, Operation Going in Video. So, who knows? Just Operation Video Shock? No. Shock or we'd be on video. Ugh. Could be something like us, just our travels and all that sort of stuff, and the actual display itself. So, we shall see. I don't know. Wait, wait and have a look-see on... Keep your eyes fixed to popculturenetwork.com! Yes, and obviously we'd like to hear your feedback on this, so anything you agree with, disagree with, head over to Pop Culture Network forums, or drop us a line at Alan A. L L A N Price dot at popculturenetwork.com Alan A L L A N Price at popculturenetwork.com or Vintoman at popculturenetwork.com So I've been Chris Vint for this like about fourteen hours marathon thingy majiggy probably about nine hours. Nine hours. And I've been a very tired Alan Price. So with that, um, we are going to then jump in our TARDIS now and go forwards in time. Before we go in the TARDIS, may I just say, happy birthday to Operation Retroshock. Yay! Because well, That's right, we be one. That's why we're going to London, England, because we're going to party hard over there. By party, I mean we're going to like have some food and maybe a little bit of cake. Man, I'd love to we'll cake. We'll probably have a birthday show. That The next episode will kind of maybe be the birthday show because... We've been concentrating so hard on this that yeah. So we'll open it up to you if you want to um, get us to focus on something. Oh man, I um, love the cake. Post it on, post it in the forums. Uh, it can be TV, it can be anything you want. If you want us to focus on it, um, write it in there or email us, and uh, we will do that. Since we have had four episodes, well, the next episode will be the fourth of Doctor Who. We want to see what you want covered. So organized. Yeah, exactly. It means that we don't have to pick any. Besides, we have the Xbox special to fall back on if that all goes pear-shaped. So yes, finally, this is us. I'm Alan Price, he's Chris Finn, and we shall see you very soon. And I'm out of here. Goodbye. I can go any place and any time. Except where he's trying to go. Everything that ever happened or ever will. Any time or place, I just have to choose. And then end up somewhere else completely. Can you... What? But now I've been to the most amazing place of all. Paris. France. America, in fact. Doctor Who, an all-new season. Coming spring 2011 to BBC America. I was going to say America. Yeah. Where's the doctor? I've been running. Faster than I've ever run. Now it's time for me to stop. I'm going to need a SWAT team ready to mobilize street level maps covering all of Florida, a pot of coffee, 12 jammy dodgers, and a fez. Somewhere different, somewhere brand new. I wear a Stetson now. Stetsons are cool. We've been recruited. Recruited by who? You're going to have to trust us this time. You have to do this, and you can't ask why. My life in your hands. 
Amelia Pond. You see these eyes? They're old eyes. And one thing I can tell you. Monsters are real.